What's up, goons? I am your host, Chris from Brooklyn. This is Notes of a Goon. I am joined, as always, by my stalwart producer, Michael Harrington. How are you, Mike? Doing great, Chris. You're doing good? Uh, you have no information on whether or not you were, we were talking about... So, I was supposed to put up a Kickstarter for your uh, tattoos for Rough and Rowdy. Yeah. Um, now, you don't know if you're on the card yet. So, I'm glad I didn't put the <laughs> Kickstarter up. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit humbled. That they didn't put you on? So, they only announced the first five fights. They got over 20 fights on this card. So, they've announced five mm-hmm. fights so far. They have Hornswoggle. Uh, That's a, he's a much bigger draw than you. So, first of all, goes by Swaggle now. I agree. Nine WrestleManias. My man said in the lead up to this, he's like, nine WrestleManias led to this moment. Let's sell some fucking pay-per-views. And I was like, hell yeah, dude. I'm all in. Yeah. Uh, so so who else is on the card? Uh, so it's like apparently two former ring card girls are duking it out. Uh, this guy Wait, shit- rough and rowdy ring card girls? Yeah. Or like, oh, see, that's not... I mean, I guess whatever. There's the interior... No, so- Do they not like each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, you know, these two... Ooh, these, these two would get into it when, uh, you know, they were... Because the ring girls compete every time out. You know what I mean? Wait, really? Yeah, the ring girls compete against each other. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a nice little angle. It's uh Do they it, have a belt? Divas title? N- no, not yet. I feel like they're gonna need to 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 build one, especially after, you know. They should make them carry a trophy instead of a belt, but the top of the trophy, instead of like being like a swimmer, it should just be a ring card girl. Yo, I don't hate that. I think it's a good idea. It's pretty sick. I like a championship that's not necessarily a belt. Yeah. Like uh, you know, Catalyst Wrestling has the has a chain, ooh, for the freestyle championship. It's pretty cool looking. What what about the uh, the Andre the Giant? Uh, That's a trophy. I like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It always gets broken over someone's head. I was gonna say, has it ever survived a year? No, has... it's never survived. I think three weeks because they give it to you. Uh, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal uh, trophy. It's a big wooden thing, and then. Inevitably, the next night on Raw, it gets broken, and just the top of it is enough of a large bronze Andre the Giant trophy, and you don't really need a three-foot... If you're an adult man, you don't really need a three-foot-tall trophy in your house. I mean, I don't think anybody needs anything, Chris, but I would like to have a three-foot-tall trophy of my accomplishments. Yeah, dude, that'd be dope. First of all, it's wrestling. It's not... I guess it's an accomplishment. It is an accomplishment. If I won the Andre the Giant Battle Memorial Battle Royale, I would 100% be... Among my greatest life accomplishments. That's true. If you do it nine times, then you can compete with Hornswoggle, the midget. <laughs> so now, they have midget boxing at Rough and Rowdy. I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I think it's called Little People Boxing. Um, unfortunately... How the- are you going to have midget boxing and <laughs> and not call it midget boxing? Like, midget... They're bo- you're making them fight for your amusement. We can use a... a, a I don't even... Midget isn't even a slur. It they're, started as a medical term. They're fighting, right, in the same respect that I'm fighting. Right there's a there's a championship on the line. Mm-hmm. These guys duking it out to see who the best. Yeah, little... but they're duking it out to see who's the most adorable. <laughs> no, no, they're duking it out to hurt each other. Yeah, but they got the little arms and big heads. Like they're not. It's not. They're they're they can't hurt each other as much as you can hurt an adult man. Nah, they can. They or an can, adult man can hurt you. They can fuck each other up. I'm sure. Now who's he fighting? Uh, the world's strongest little person. Does he call himself the world's strongest little person? Yeah. Can I see a picture of him? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Because uh, it seems it's like, remember that really jacked kid that was in the news back in the day? That seems like he would be the world's strongest little person. Because oh. he's a that's, a... that's the thing I don't like about calling them little people. I feel like, all right, we don't need to call them midgets 
but we need to find a word in between midget and little people. Sure. Because there are other little people, and those are children. Yeah. Uh, oh, that guy is brolic. Kennedy McMahon, I was the WWE Cruiserweight Champion for more than a year. You have a bench press of a thousand pounds, a squat of two million, and then there's me, Dylan Postel, who has been on six WrestleManias alone. Watching him grow up, I've looked up to him for years, now having the opportunity to fight him. Yeah, it was uh, my Ric Flair or my Macho Man or my Hulk. I perform in big cities and big arenas like Madison Square Garden, not some podunk arena in West Virginia. Hold on, pause it. Doesn't Hornswoggle at this point look like uh, Wee Man and Bam Margera had a child? 100%. Uh, the world's strongest midget is going to kill him. Does he call himself the world's strongest midget or the world's strongest little person? Let me see his Twitter account. Okay, uh, so here it is. Uh, he doesn't have a Twitter account, dude. Rough and Round, he doesn't put up people's Twitter accounts. It's crazy. Four foot four Hornswoggle. A.K.A. Dylan Postel versus... Oh, Dynamite. His name is Dynamite. Four foot five Dynamite, in parentheses, strongest in the world for the BMFM title. BMFM title. I would assume baddest motherfucking midget. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Which is all, I'm saying, all I'm saying is this. I, I get if they don't want that word to be used, um, but like little person that could... You know, my cousin Linda is not technically one of them. She's a tiny person. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I need. we need something. It needs to be some sort of medical term. Something we can all agree on. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Dude, my man is... You just got to see this photo of him in action. Look at this. Oh, this is the jacked one? Look at this, dude. The strongest in the world. Look at those shoulders. First of all... I think they need to take Vanilla Gorilla away from Brock Lesnar and give it to this guy. Dog. That dude is fucking jacked. He is fucking brolic. Yeah. I, I uh, he's gonna, I, you should fight that guy. I can't fight that guy. Come on. Yeah, he beat you. I mean, Chris. He box your knees out, bro. Chris. He pull your knees out. I can't go Strongest fight Strongest in the world. Yeah, fuck him up. You think so? What if he's like Puck from Alpha, Alpha Flight? Remember Puck? No. Chris, I would fuck that tiny man up. And not if he's like Puck from Alpha Flight. He's <laughs> bouncing <laughs> off shit. Puck from Alpha Flight could fight Wolverine. I don't remember Alpha Flight. That was the Canadian superhero team. Yeah, it's where Deadpool came out of, right? Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. Does Canada need a superhero team? I don't even think they need cops. Wait, didn't they That's have... why they have Mounties. Was the Wendigo a good guy or a bad guy? It was a fucking Wendigo. What do you mean? It's a force of nature. Yeah, but I feel like it was... Sasquatch was in Alpha Flight. He was a gamma-irradiated hairy dude. He was a gamma-irradiated Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so he got super strength like the Hulk, but he was very hairy. Hmm. Um... But the Wendigo was just, you got cursed to be the Wendigo. It was like a wear, it was a wear Sasquatch kind of deal. Mm. A wear Yeti. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, so it was a bad guy, right? Yeah, basically. They used to, that's like somebody they would fight. Yeah. Mm. Which again, it's like, a couple Mounties can't take out a Wendigo? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, they got fucking... I've seen that fucking beef jerky commercial. They fucking ride mooses. Those things are ferocious. Yeah, but Apparently, you know, like, moose kill mad people, Mike? Do they really? Yeah, look it up. Like, they're apparently, like, fucking vicious animals. Like, if you fuck with a moose, that shit will fucking body you. 
Moose They're like lean more, hippos. Moose are more dangerous than bears. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, moose fucking... I thought they were just fucking big-ass horses. These motherfuckers are brawling. No, dude. They're huge, and they have those giant antlers, and they're fucking mean. They fuck shit up. Yeah, moose kind of rule. Dude, it's pretty dope, because they look fucking goofy, but they fuck you up. Just like my man, the world's strongest midget over there. Dynamite. First of all, how are you going to have a prostitute name, and you're the world's strongest little person? Dynamite? Dynamite? That is a fucking uh, black... That is a 1970s black stripper name. I was going to say, that's not since Giuliani cleaned up New York. We haven't had hookers named Dynamite. Why they call you Dynamite, girl? Because this pussy popping. That's why. It writes itself, Mike. Chris, I don't know how you haven't booked a writing gig yet. I know. It's crazy. It's It's pretty wild. Fuck, man. I keep putting that... I keep putting that in every packet. (laughs) <laughs> I had that in my back pocket. I was just, I was just lucky that that small person's name was Dynamite. All right, can has anybody done like uh, just reading your writing packet on a show? Would you want to read one of my writing packets? Yeah, hundred percent. I feel like it'd be fun. Oh, that's brutal. Is it really? Yeah, nobody wants to hear no? their own. You know what I mean? And it's not to- the jokes aren't topical anymore. Hmm. All right. It would be way. I told. I mean, we've talked about. The one thing that at some point I will let you read on the show, which I feel like you may as well just throw it out there. I wrote such a bad script for Mark Miller's writing contest that they <laughs> shit on it without naming me when they announced the winners. Uh, involved Hit Girl killing pedophiles. I sent it to three people who all said it was good. I wrote it in an hour because that's when I found out about the contest. Three people, including Chris Stanley, were like, oh, I thought that was pretty good. So I sent it in. Now, anybody who's listening to this who's read my comic book, Snake Dick, knows that maybe it was a little vulgar and violent. Anybody who's listening to this show knows for sure it was a little vulgar and violent. Uh, not a good script in retrospect. And I will at some point let you read that on the show. It's a little tease. That's fun. Yeah. Maybe that's a thing. Ooh, to tease another segment coming up. Well, what, was, what were you going to tease? That's a thing. What? Mother. All right. Um, but I do have to plug a couple of things. At the end of this show is uh, uh, an interview with Matthew B. Cox, true crime author. He, uh, he's written about eight true crime books. He was the number one most wanted man on the Secret Service's most wanted list for uh, bank fraud. Stole, he got caught, uh, admitted to stealing about $15 million from various banks. He says it was closer to $50 million. Uh, he, he's written books he's, He was in prison with a whole lot of bad dudes Wrote books about him I talked to him I read three of his books They're very good I would go check those out um, it, it was a really fun interview Actually, yeah Towards the end He literally tells you How you could go and commit bank fraud I literally go Like, could you do this now? He goes, oh, it's easier now And then outlines Wholeheartedly Step by step How you The listener can commit bank fraud. That's coming up at the end of this show. Don't say we never gave you anything. Dude, this fucking rules. Dude, he's Are the you man. Serious? Yes. He wrote a book about a guy who orchestrated a coup in the Congo, and he was like, yeah, I'll give you Frank's email. <laughs> Whatever. Hell yeah, dude. This is what this is what Chris from Brooklyn, investigative journalist, should be doing. Yeah. 
just fucking talking to the McAfee's and like the real real the, scumbags of the world is who I want to talk to. The guys who went for it, man. Dude, he is a guy who I was talking to him and he's talking to and it's like it's it's so it's so funny whenever I talk to like somebody who's like got like that cr- criminal streak in him. When I talk to Shane Smith, it's like similar. Like I talk to guys and it's just kind of like there is this like understanding that like if shit goes south we're just gonna you're just gonna roll the dice one more time and see what happens, <laughs> like, right? Like that's what's gonna happen. Like the uh, I'm not gonna be homeless. Like we're gonna see where this goes, uh, and it's certainly gonna involve progressively more risky crimes. Like, and he even goes, he goes, oh yeah. Like if all of this goes away tomorrow, like he's like he's like the only thing keeping me. He's like I just like my chick and like writing books. He's like if all of a sudden I couldn't write books and she left me. I'm robbing a bank the next day. This <laughs> <laughs> is rules. Dude. And it's just like kind of like that's I like talking to people like that because I like knowing he said it in one of his books. He wrote a book about the um we talk about it in an interview. I don't want to get too into it. But um he he wrote a book about the uh one of the drug programs in federal prison and he goes and he goes, he's talking to one of the counselors, like, I would never commit a crime. He's like, Well, you wouldn't steal a loaf of bread to feed your family? She's like, yeah, of course I would. If I was like homeless, yeah. He's like, okay, so you would commit a crime under their circumstances. He's like, my threshold is just significantly lower than yours. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. Is this the guy who wrote War Dogs or? No, well, he wrote a book about the guy War Dogs is based on. And he basically was just like, yeah, that movie's kind of full of shit. But um, he wrote, I think it's called What Actually Happened. And he talked to the guy. He was in prison with the guy, Ephraim, and he got his life rights. Because they, like, the, it was the other guy. It wasn't Ephraim. It was the other guy who sold his life rights to, to the, for the Rolling Stone article, and then they wrote War Dogs off of, off of that. But the Jonah Hill's character. He wrote the book about Jonah Hill's character. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Jonah Hill's character was the interesting one. The other guy yeah. was just a bitch. But from when he said none of that shit, whatever, that's it. We talk about it in the interview, so you can go, you can check it out. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's very, it's very interesting, uh, just to hear. And the way he writes it is all the way he writes all the books is go check out. The books are very good. It's insanity is really good. That's the one about Frank Amadeo. Um, but he writes it all from these, like this perspective of like how he met them in prison. And then like, this is what I uncovered when they gave me access to all of their files because he has access to all their law files. It's really good. So check that out. Another couple of quick plugs just to keep moving. Uh, I, I'm going to be with Zach Amico. Uh, this Friday, that's the 16th, correct? In yeah. Norwalk, Connecticut at BJ Ryan's. I'll be opening for Zach. And then on Sunday at Old Man Hustle, booked by Michael Harrington himself, I will, uh, I'll be hosting a show. It's the Headliner Series, but it's Zach and Ian, Pre- uh, Ian Finance. Yep. I almost said, I have a friend named Ian Present, and I almost said Ian because I'm an idiot. That's going to be fucking sick, I'm dude. Idiot, but it's Ian Finance, Zach Amico, those guys are, are going to fucking destroy it. In the headliner series, I am going to mediocrely host my way through the two of them killing it. It's going to be fucking great, Chris. Yeah. And where can they get the tickets, Mike? They can go to, uh, I'm going to have, uh, is it cool if I put a link in the bio? Yeah. Put a link in the bio. Put a link in the bio to both of the shows then. Because some of the people that are listening to this may live in Connecticut. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So come through. Uh, I'm sure, well, that's at a bar. What time is the show? Uh, show is at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. So it'll be over by nine. That means yeah. the bar will be open for an hour and a half afterwards. Yep. So come by. Mike, you'll be there. Yep. I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, Zach will be there. Ian will be there. Ian doesn't drink. You don't drink. Me and Zach drink. I'm sure we'll be having a couple cocktails. Dude, it's gonna be fucking great. It's gonna be a good time. Come hang out. Come hang out with your boys. 
I'll bring a copy of Snake Dick. First person who comes up to me and goes, I came because of the show, I'll hand you a copy of Snake Dick. How about that? That's a pretty great deal. Yeah, that's a great deal. You pay for the cover for the show, you get to see two great comics and one stupid Italian, and you get a comic book. Dude, I'm really excited about this. Yeah, it's going to be a fun show. I'm I'm excited to do it. Um, But those are all the plugs, Mike. Also, I mean, I guess leave us a review on iTunes. The last review said that people didn't like the racehorse. Really? The racehorse isn't here. Who doesn't like the racehorse? I don't know, some guy. He said he didn't like the racehorse. He said I mean, it was a stupid bit. You don't like the racehorse. I mean, the racehorse is a pain in my ass, especially since he's not here today. Where's the racehorse, Mike? I don't know, dude. I think the racehorse is on drugs, and he didn't show up for work today. He clopped out. <sighs> That's a solid pun. I'm furious that you said that to me right now. I'm glad we don't share a room while we do the show and you're behind <laughs> glass because I want to punch you in your face. Uh, but solid pun, solid pun, Mike. The racehorse has not showed up for work today, and I'm furious. I'm fucking furious that this racehorse is not here. Um, we'll, we'll keep you abreast on his situation. Like I said, I think he might be, uh, he might be on drugs. He might be on drugs. I mean, Chris. What? I mean, you do know where to get some ketamine. Horses love ketamine. Maybe I can get him back to the show by presenting him with some ketamine. Maybe that's it. Maybe you come up with like an apple. You know what I mean? But it's got a little like ketamine LSD. on it. You know, the guy who does, what's the name of the guy? Alex Gray is the name of the guy who does all the art for Tool. Uh, tell me. He had, a, he had a party at this place. My buddy used to bartend at this place. It was like, a inter- it was like the first internet TV company. They were right here on Broadway and... 8th Street, and fucking, it was called Pseudo, was the name of the place, we used to have parties there all the time, there was a, it was like a weird, it was a very weird vibe in there, it was before like, you could really stream shit on the internet, but it used to be all sorts of like raves and shit there, but that guy had a party for like an art gallery, and there was no booze, and they just put these apples out, and apparently all the apples were dipped in acid. That sounds lovely. But he didn't tell anybody, it was just an art gallery that didn't have anything other than apples, and people were just eating the apples, and then tripping on acid. Dude. This sounds like the coolest guy ever. Yeah, it's the guy who does all... I think his name is Alex Gray, but that's also a porn star's name, so now I'm all over the place with it. But it's the guy who does the art for Tool. Oh, you're all right about that. Dude, this guy do, This guy looks like somebody who would just dip a whole bunch of I mean, have you ever seen acid? the album Art for Tool? Yeah, this guy rocks. Yeah. So, yeah, that happened. Uh, Some place I used to drink at. Hmm. Dude, I feel like uh, I feel like there was a bunch of those like just small media companies that popped up in New York between like '05 and 2016. Mm-hmm. That was a fucking weird one. They were the ones who they did like the first almost like Big Brother thing. They had all these people like living in a bunker. There's a documentary about them called Not Dig. Um, it's the same woman who who did Dig, which was about uh, the Dandy Warhols. Uh, I forget the fucking name of it, but it's a great documentary. Um, if you could find, if you could find it, is it uh, P U S E pseudo or S U D O? P S E U D O. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. I mean, now it's just looking up. Like things called pseudo documentaries, which are like yeah. part fictional. Part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Stanley used to drink at this place a lot. Uh, hold on, let me see. Hmm. Um. Yeah, it's tough because if it's if that's the name of it, I mean, dude, like, there's just like 
trying to think. Um, what was that company that t- that had like the game show? That oh, was, like, the biggest thing on the planet for like six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was way before that. This was like 2001. Oh shit! Like this was uh yeah. This is like right when you were out of high school. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um. Yeah, it was fucking, uh, yeah, it was like, yeah, because, yeah, it was a kid who was a year younger than me who was still in tech that was bartending there. Oh, that's pretty fucking sick. Yeah. Having, dude, this place did not give a fuck. Having 17-year-olds bartend there? Dude, I remember I went in there, I was 18, I was 19 maybe, It was because I was there for a little while. I went in there at 19, and my buddy Josh was 18, and... He just, we were like looking around. I was like, it might be a little young in here for us. And he was just like, I just got blown in the bathroom. I was like, well, we should probably leave. <laughs> uh, all right. Pseudo.com. It's parent company, pseudo programs, five bankruptcy, following the dot com bubble. It's asked. We live in public is the name of the documentary. Okay. Um, huh. Yeah. Go check that out. Fucking, it was an awesome documentary. It was a very, very good. Um, all the, all that lady, uh, Andy Timoner, her documentaries are fucking great. What are you, you looking it up? Yeah, it sounds awesome. What, do you want to watch a trailer? Yeah, I don't Just hate Just for that. the people? I don't hate that at all. Ooh. Then we'll move on. All right. Do um... you got it, Mike? Yeah. Oh. All right, give me a second, dude. Oh, no. I wasn't planning on pulling this up. The internet's like this new human experience. At first, everybody's going to like it. But one day we're all going to wake up and realize that we're just servants. This? Captured us. Yeah. See, that's the that's the space right there. It was there. genius because nobody had done it yet. So it was like the first hype house, kind of. Yeah. We were a bunch of kids getting paid ten bucks an hour to try and figure out HTML. So like, to take CBS out of business. That kid is clearly on drugs. Dude, everybody. Dude, the people I knew that were on the most drugs worked at this place. Dude, this place looks fucking awesome. It was so bizarre, dude. Dude, this looks like what? Dude, imagine just being like. We were like 19 and just like doing drugs in what was like. like, I remember being like, why does this club a TV studio? (laughs) And I said it just like that, like on shrooms. Like, why is this club a TV studio? was one of the most extraordinary Dude, this is fucking ever sick. Anywhere in the world, really the question starts to become who is behind this, what's going on. And you're telling me this was all like 16, 17-year-old kids like running the place? I mean, pretty often, yeah. Dude, this is wild. It was like people in their late 20s there for some parties, but yeah, it was just like there was like a young... It was like it ranged anywhere from 15 to, you know, 40. Like New York parties back in the day, you'd go and it'd be like a bunch of 15-year-olds, then like 20-year-olds, and then like just like six or seven random 50-year-olds in sh- very strange outfits. you got a negative balance in your checking account. Or Ew. Why is there bathroom camera? Because they literally were filming. They did a thing. This was not at the place. They did a thing where they built a bunker underground. Uh, I think it was maybe the lead up to Y2K where they just were going to live there until Y2K. And they were never going to get be allowed out. Okay, I mean, this is... Yeah, it gets really bugged out. I never went into the bunker. I just hung out at the fucking club space. <laughs> All right, dude, this is fucking sick. I'm so into this. I'm 100% going to watch this when I get home. Is this on YouTube, you think? Pro- you can definitely find it somewhere. Yeah. 
Uh, that's fucking dope. Um, <clears throat> yeah, fucking go watch that. It was fucking cool. It was a cool. It was a cool time in New York where you could just go. I talked to when I interviewed my buddy Dork about graffiti. We just talk about it was just like Red Bull just gave like three of his friends money and they had like a loft to like do graffiti in a loft because it was like post Giuliani New York where there was just money flowing in, but like people wanted to like try to preserve the edge. I remember I laughed in some kid's face at an art gallery because he was like pussy and like there was all these skateboards in this art gallery that had been painted. And they were interviewing this kid, and he, they were like, how'd you get the holes in here? And he's like, oh, I'll show you. And it's the most contrived thing every, ever. This like rich kid poured out gun shells on the floor of this art gallery from a paper bag. But I looked on the floor, and I was like, those are 22 shells. And I laughed out loud and ruined their take. And they got so pissed. What were they going to do? I was like hammered and bigger than everybody in there. Fucking bunch of art dorks. I just started smacking the shit out of people. It would have been hilarious. Nothing's going to happen. Moving on. Fucking, so the city's dead now, Mike. You know, we're talking about the city was alive at a point. Now it's a dead city. We haven't talked about the dead city in a while. We live here in this, the realm of this, this dead New York. Why, why did it die now? What's going on? Well, DMX passed away. Oh, man. Did you see any of the videos from up by the hospital? No. Dude, there was just like motorcycle rallies happening and people just being like, I will not leave DMX's side. It's crazy. See if you can find any of that. But yeah, DMX passed away. But the city, uh, so last year it was fireworks. And I don't know if this, I wonder if this was is a direct result of DMX. Apparently in the Upper West Side, they're very upset because there's uh, roving brigades of ATVs, is what the Post says. <laughs> the New York Post has a headline today. Upper West Side residents flipping out over brigade of illegal ATVs. Um, it's, what makes ATV illegal? Uh, you can't ride them in the city? I think it's emission standards. Mm. Certain things, um, and also safety standards. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like if a Can-Am Spider... Is legal is street legal? I don't see why an ATV wouldn't be. Maybe they're not fast enough for the highway. They don't have enough. Because if you have a um, let's say um, if you have like a, a scooter, like a Vespa type thing, if it's under uh, fifty cc's, they, that's why the Revels are not legal to go on the highway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's forty nine cc. Yeah. If it's a forty nine cc engine, you can ride that without a motorcycle license. Exactly. So I think that's what it is. A lot of these guys get the ones that you could ride without a motorcycle license, but then you also just can't legally ride them in New York. But you see them all. Uh, you see them like typically you'll see a couple of rides over the summer. But I have lately been seeing more because the cops aren't enforcing a lot of laws. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. Like there's just a lot of graffiti here in the Lower East Side. All of a sudden. Oh yeah, it's everywhere. And it's not as much as it was when I was a kid, but it's bizarre. I saw guys I was walking in to get these beers and guys were literally there was a guy do literally doing a fucking hand style on the ATM like slyly so the cashier couldn't see at the store. It's pretty sick. I'm but I'm just like it's not even like I thought graffiti kind of went away because Instagram exists. I didn't really realize it was like just over policing. You know what I mean? I figured like Instagram was a different type of cl- like because graffiti was just before there was social media. All the guys I knew, there were, I knew guys who were legitimate artists who were into graffiti, but I also knew a bunch of just mooks who did it for street clout. 
Well, I think that's the thing now where it's like you can get that street clout in you can get that street clout in the digital space now. You know what I mean? You just take pictures of your graffiti? Yeah, like you kind of NFT your fucking graffiti. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Like I mean, every take- first of all, if somebody doesn't NFT'd every major graffiti artist in the city, we should be doing that. That's fucking brilliant. Uh, I'm probably going to reach out to the good people over at vinylgraph.com as soon as the show is over. <laughs> That's uh, V-I-N-Y-L-G-R-A-F-F.com. Use promo code CHRIS1. you get 10% off at checkout. Um, but it... That's going on. I think, look, so here's the thing. You said the city isn't dead, Mike, but I passed 50 empty storefronts on the way here. Okay, but. I walked here from the 6th train in St. Mark's. I walked up 7th Street, and. Chris, it's raining. That, so that's why there's no chairs in any of these places? Yes. That's, that's why none of the stores have fixtures? Yes. Because the rain is going to ruin the lights? <laughs> yes. Chris, Mike, Mike, so it's it raining. Think about what you just said. Chris, if it ain't the neighbor- raining, people are out, and the neighborhood is vibrant. I'm not saying that there aren't people around. I'm saying that almost every business closed. Yeah, so the ones that survive, they're going to have a fucking killing. Because unemployment's going through August, baby. We should, well, we should open up an ATV store upstairs. <gasps> Dirt bike. If we sold... Dude, if we just sold motocross bikes out of like, if we got like a fucking guy, be like, yo, look, we got 400 motocross bikes. Give us a pop up lease and just let us sell these 400. I bet we can get 400 motocross bikes pretty cheap. Bro, out of that fucking steamy hollow spot? Yeah, just, we'll just sell motocross bikes out of the fucking, out of an old bar for like a couple months. And that, yeah, what was the theme there? The Beetlejuice bar. Isn't there like a Tim Burton bar down the block? We just take over the Tim Burton bar space and sell motocross bikes out of there. Probably Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) We we got there so quick. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, like, oh, Mike and Chris are just running. They're just selling uh, motocross bikes out of an old bar. Somebody be like, well, I bet they have Coke there, and if we we should. I mean, if we're gonna have guests over to our motocross bike store, we should probably be able to. Oh, oh, you're telling me we're not gonna have a Tony Montana room? Yeah, in our motorbike. Yeah, store? what are we? It's I crazy. Like, yeah, we have a motocross bike store inside this Tim Burton bar. This old, this abandoned Tim Burton bar. You're telling me we're not gonna have. We got an out clause on this. All we have to do, like, we're share, which is a revenue share as we sell these 400 motocross bikes. The landlord doesn't know about the Coke. We gotta make a. We gotta get our taste, people. It's a dead city. It's dead. Okay, but can we also have poker games in the back? Yeah, sure. We could retrofit one of the fucking motocross bikes. It could be a roulette wheel. Should be fire. Yo, Chris, can we just have an old-timey speakeasy in our fucking motocross Beetlejuice bar? Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to have, like, gears and stuff, like, in in the Sting. Is it the Sting? Yeah. With the gears? I don't know if we're going to be able to have all that. Um, But we we should be selling motocross bikes because here's the thing is like the ATVs are a little ridiculous. Just get a motocross bike, just gun it down. Brrr, that shit is fire. Mm. It's like where is it, where are these guys parking these ATVs? You guys, you got a garage? You could bring a fucking motocross bike up in a staircase. Where the fuck are you putting your ATV at the end of the day? Well, pull up the picture, by the way. It's fucking hilarious. This well, article is very funny. Okay, I didn't. Say, I don't have the article. I sent it to you on Facebook. Okay. Um, but some of these quotes he- here. Um. <clears throat> Where is it? I live on Broadway and hear and watch them pop wheelies. How do you? All right. Rev split traffic, run opposite of traffic, and blow like. How do you hear that? 
Someone's going to get mowed down. Now, here's what this person actually sounded like, I assume. <clears throat> I live on Broadway, and I hear and watch them pop. They're popping those wheelies, revving. They split traffic. Op- they go opposite of traffic. They blow in lights. Someone's going to get mowed down out here. It's really crazy. I have no problem with kids having fun, but at the expense of the safety of New Yorkers, Someone's going to have to get killed before the city gets serious about this. Yeah, look. So now you usually see this like once or twice a year, just in general in New York. No way. Chris, I saw this so much, dude. That's crazy. I'm saying it's, it's gone up in the last two years. All right, maybe. I don't know. I know I you know, not, more York. than once or twice a year, but you'd see it like a couple of times a summer. But now it's like a lot. Dude, I saw it over the winter. I was dude. I was in home. I was in Times Square on uh on Friday, mm-hmm. and I didn't even see that. I saw the tiny motocross bikes, like eight dudes whipping down Times Square. Adult, adult. I'm gonna go ahead and guess Puerto Rican men whipping down Times Square in fucking the you know the miniature motocross bikes. Yeah, that were go like the two. That's the thing. I think two stroke motors are not street legal for whatever reason. Probably because they're pull start. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it's essentially just a lawnmower engine. I Dude, I had yeah, I had bike. some, I had some like a, a go ped with a seat and fucking it was a two stroke and you had to and like it was fun. I used to basically just take it to get roast beef sandwiches. That wasn't the one you were doing deliveries on when you got back from Italy, right? No, no, that was a uh, that was a, uh, a genuine buddy is the Italia series. It was a. Uh, a company from Singapore that sold uh, Vespas. That was from that was when I got back from Spain. Mm. I came back and bought a Vespa because and a scarf. No, I mean I and had a real a, Mary. Yeah, yeah, I was wearing goggles and gloves, Mike. <laughs> no, I fucking rented a Vespa to get around Barcelona, and they're fucking fun. You ever ride a Vespa? Was your scarf whipping in the wind? Yes, and it was also 150 cc's. I used to get that shit up to 70 miles an hour on the belt. It's pretty sick, dude. Also, I have I told the story about crashing it on the show? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Where I split my pants, and then the guy was just like, oh, dude, you split your pants. And I was like, I think I broke my ribs, you fucking asshole. Yeah, you split your pants like a buffoon. <laughs> yeah, I look like a real asshole, and then I fucking scooted home with my nuts hanging out. Uh, um, no, That's fucking sick. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> dude, I want, I, I kind of do. But here, here's the thing. We need ATVs. Mike, if everybody's getting ATVs, why don't we have ATVs? I, you know, I've been remiss to get a Patreon for the show because I feel like everybody's got a Patreon. I don't want to do that. It's so all much right, more work. Right. So here, no, here's the thing, Mike. I'm gonna say you need to set up a Patreon for us by next week, but it will involve no extra shows. <laughs> okay. You could donate whatever you want, zero to a hundred dollars. Can you do zero dollars on Patreon? One to a hundred dollars. <laughs> you get nothing, but we will set a goal. How much do two ETVs cost, Mike? <sighs> the goal will be two ATVs. <laughs> and if we get two ATVs, then we will post one GoPro video a week until we get arrested for riding <laughs> ATVs. Okay, so this is my proposal for our Patreon, <laughs> dude. I don't hate this one, uh, Razor Dirt Quad Five Hundred. I mean, it sounds Razor Dirt Quad, <laughs> thirty-six volt, dude. Razor ATV Dirt for teens and adults up to two hundred twenty pounds. 
fucking Razor Dirt is the fucking best white trash uh, Taipei Deathmatch fighter name. <laughs> it's 800 bucks on Amazon. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they got these things that are like fucking two grand, but like, yo, that's too much ATV for me. I'd fuck myself up on that. No, I think that little one might not be enough ATV for you, Mike. Click that link. Bro, 36 volts? I don't know what that really is. <laughs> no, it's made by Razor Scooter, you idiot. <laughs> Yeah, yo, that it's got is, BMX bike handlebars, Mike. That, that is not is enough ATV for you, for me, dude. All right, so you get one of those. Okay, I want a real one. It's only two hundred and two. Oh, it only goes up to two hundred and twenty pounds. I'm yeah. eventually gonna get fat again, Mike. I cannot have one. Of I'm those. never getting above two twenty again. Never. Um, it's not too much for me to get over two twenty. Mm. My resting weight is about two twenty five. My resting weight, dude. That's my high school weight, two twenty five. All right. Um. Damn, dude. Yeah, that's like a kid's fucking ATV. God damn it. All right. So these ones are like fucking... I don't know. This one looks fucking badass. Just find some used ATVs. Look at this motherfucker. How much is that? 960? 125cc. Oh, yeah. Boom. That's enough. Yeah? Does it say youth on it? Quad four-wheelers. Yeah, youth ATV. No, we need a grown-up ATV. (sighs) This fucking thing is scary, dude. Dude, this you have is a only 150 cc. What are we talking about? What was here? the other one? Fucking 125 for 25 cc's. You're gonna fucking drop an extra. Uh, that shit looks pretty cool. Though. That shit looks pretty cool. It looks like doesn't a... look that cool. That right. looks pretty cool. It kinda does look fucking cool. Dude, have you ever ridden an ATV? Yeah, they're pretty. Du- they were super easy too. They fucking. I'm. Um, yeah, I mean, my dad's best friend died on one, so I don't. I'm a little nervous of him. What was he doing? He was just fucking riding it, and uh, he flipped it like fucking. First like, of all, pull up the still image of the fucking article I sent you. Okay. Your dad died on an ATV. This motherfucker's standing on them. <laughs> Every time I go down Flatbush, there's a guy standing up on an ATV. Yeah, I mean this guy was fat as fuck, and he he. Look at that. That guy is standing on an ATV. Yeah, but he he was not in a position to be doing all that. Um, he oh, went, first of all. It seems like somebody right behind the guy right behind him has the youth ATV. Does he not? Yeah. This guy has the youth ATV. Look at that thing. Yeah, it's a little guy. It's for little guys. Yeah. Fucking he had a big boy. It looks like speed buggy. The, the little yellow one. I like it. Yeah. It looks like Bumblebee kinda. All right, you get one of those. I'll yeah. get a I'll get a grown up ATV. Dude, that is plenty. And right then there? and then when we hit our goal of I'm gonna assume about two thousand dollars. Well, no, it's two thousand for the fucking big one. If you need it, it doesn't have to be that big. It'd be the we can go. Uh, all right, fine. We'll get two youth ATVs. Okay, it's like sixteen hundred bucks. A, well, and then we need a GoPro. It's like three hundred bucks. Yeah, probably and some helmets. No, Chris, we gotta get helmets. Even the fucking guy standing I, has a helmet. I bet we can get them to throw in a helmet if we buy two ATVs cash. We need two helmets. I bet we can get to throw in a couple helmets. A couple helmets. I have a helmet. All right. So we just need one helmet. They'll throw in one helmet, probably. I'm sure they'll throw in one helmet. If we go in, I'll bring in, I'll get the cash <laughs> out of the account, and we'll go in with cash, and they'll buy, they'll they'll give it to us. They'll give us a helmet. Be like, yeah, we're gonna share it, dude. I bought a, I put a, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bought a used bike once, and I was haggling with the guy, and I was like, he was like, he was like, it's two hundred, and I was like, uh, I'll give you a hundred, and he was like one fifty, and I was like, no. And he was like 125, and I was like, "All right, but throw in that tennis racket." <laughs> and he gave me the tennis racket, and I've never played tennis. 
You just picked a random item from that man's house? <laughs> no, it was at a used bike store. I don't know why you had tennis rackets in there. But I was like, I also want that tennis racket. It was like a used, it was like a junk store. But it was like a good bike. It was like a Peugeot, you know, the steel frame bikes. The old, but it's like a heavy bike. I just needed a bike. It's dope. But yeah, the city's dead, Mike, except for we're, we're obviously going to be running. I mean, we're going to bring it back to life by um, helping the economy with our motocross bike, Beetlejuice Bar. It's going to be dope, dude. It's gonna we be can definitely, fire. we can flip 400 motocross bikes, right? I have no doubt. People will come out. Dude, if we People just were will... outside on ATVs doing donuts with bullhorns, being like, bow, 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 come buy a motocross bike, sell the shit out of those, bro. Yo, if we fucking... If we could just get somebody to like run, like a boxer, we get like Diego to just run through the streets while we're fucking flanking him with ATVs. Yeah, with banners for our motocross bike store at the old Beetlejuice bar. Dog, people will come and buy Coke. (laughs) (laughs) We'll totally come and buy Coke and be like, look, if you buy a couple ounces of Coke, you get a free motocross bike, all right? I mean,. We move some bikes. Dude, that is a genius idea. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, look, if you buy, look. <laughs> it's like a. The Coke is regular street market price, <laughs> but if you buy two ounces of Coke, you get a free motocross bike. Here's the thing I don't know about you, but when I get all coked up, I just <laughs> want to go fast. Oh, man. And then they're going to be like, you, you throw in a helmet and be like, sir, we don't sell helmets. Get the <laughs> fuck out of my store, you fucking pussy. All right? Wait, what is this? This isn't a gay store, sir. Get out of here. I'll take with the your, Coke. With your helmet shit. I'll take the Coke, but I want that tenant's racket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, t- I still have the tennis racket. I have it. It's right next to my two racquetball rackets. Can we please have the tennis racket in the motocross Beetlejuice Coke? All right, ball. but I'm not giving it up. I mean, dude, if there's a good enough sale, if they buy 10 motocross I bet bikes, I could get Jim Cornette to sign it. Okay, if you get Jim Cornette to sign it, if they bought 10 motocross bikes... Then they could have it. And an ounce Coke. <laughs> I mean, you could buy just buy a ball at that point. If you're buying 10 motocross bikes, first of all, you're probably going to need an ounce of Coke. I'm saying. You got to drive all those motorbikes at once? Yeah. How are you going to do that? You got you to you think quick. <laughs> People listening to this are going to be like, they're on Coke right now. <laughs> This is the most business plan business I've ever heard. Uh, but yeah, the city's dead, Mike. Your boy Andrew Yang isn't going to save us. I know you love Andrew Yang. Um, Bro, I'm out on him, man. The uh, worm has turned. Dude, he just keeps saying dumber and dumber things. My man. Is... He did the bodega thing, which we all talked about with the video, which was not a Gross. bodega. It was a Korean yep. grocer. Um, but his next thing was... Uh, he he said that cops should have to live in the city because now they can live in like the surrounding counties, which is fine. I get that they live in the city, and he's like, "Yeah, we need to try to figure out how they can work in the neighborhoods they patrol." Well, no. So what I think he was saying was, um, the 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 rule is now you have to live in the city for your first like two years or whatever. No, you don't. No, you do. No, you can live in the city or Westchester County or Nassau or Suffolk County or I think Orange County. Are you sure? Yes. Because I remember applying for NYPD. NYPD is the only job you don't have to. You have you have five counties outside of the five boroughs that you can have. It has to be in New York State. You have to have a valid New York State license within a month of being accepted to the academy. Huh. Uh, but it, there's there's several counties you can have 
I think you can live in Yonkers and be an NYPD officer. Um, the actual weird thing about that is, though, requiring, you know, starting salary for the NYPD is like 30 grand. Yeah, but within like two years, it's like 60. Okay, but those first two years, it's 30K. You know who I don't think really should have roommates? Cops. Why? I just, the idea of like, first of all, nobody's going to want to be roommates with a cop in New York City. Other cops. That's bad because that's just barracks at that point, Mike. And I think we're trying to demilitarize the police, right? Like, I'm pretty sure that's what we're all going for. You think it's a good idea for a bunch of cops to be living together in a small apartment above a motocross bike slash Beetlejuice <laughs> store? It's not a good idea, Mike. Okay, so we don't need cops in that neighborhood. We can police our own neighborhood on motocrosses. Oh, to be like that. What's that movie with John Goodman? Uh, Star Kid? Sure. What? You don't know this Netflix movie? Bike? It's something with their. Star Kid is the one where the guy is in the fucking suit. He like goes in the Iron Man suit. It's not that. It's something else. Out. Somebody's gonna. Somebody's listening to this, going, "You idiot!" It's a John Goodman's in the movie. It's a, it's post It's basically Mad Max, but on dirt bikes. Huh? How do you not know this movie? It's very good. I. It, it's right up. It, Captive State? No. I mean, I just typed John Goodman dirt bike movie. Stone Cold? No. But type Mad Max with motorbikes. You don't have it, do you, Mike? No, it's nothing showing you, up. And you never will. It just keeps showing the... Look, I type Mad Max with motorbikes. Look. Oh, shit. You know what? I fucked up. <laughs> That's right. Duck, 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 duck go. We'll fix this. I think it will. Uh, Mad Max with motorbikes. Should I put John? John Goodman. Goodman. Put John okay. Goodman. Damn, no. it doesn't come up. Bikes of Mad Max trilogy. All right, I'll find this movie and you'll have to edit it in to the final no. product. All right. Show. Yeah, sure. I'm definitely gonna do that, Chris. That's 100 percent gonna Slate happen. It. Yep. Yeah, you listen back. That's exactly what's going to be. I'm going to listen to that for the whole show, Mike. Yeah. I know we're at 46 minutes right now. Uh Uh-huh. With the Matt Cox interview coming up. Yep. (laughs) But that's what... Yeah, Andrew Yang wants cops to live. Imagine, like, the fucking very nice neighborhoods in this city and having just cops, like, young 24-year-old cops living there. And then what happens? As the cops get more and more seniority and get moved to different neighborhoods, they have to move? Yeah, I mean, I think here's what makes sense. In the, um, there is mandatory pay increases mm-hmm. in the NYPD. Whatever, that's like a thing that we've all agreed on. It's what incentivizes people to take a job that is inherently dangerous. Okay, um, and should come with training. And you know, like these guys should be paid better than teachers. They should be paid better than than you know a, a lot of people in society because you want it to be a thing where it's like you're incentivized not to lose this fucking. You are thing. incentivized. You have a gun. No, you're you're not incentivized with a gun. Having to fucking carry a gun to work is not a, a bonus. It's not a perk. No that reason. is absolutely a perk. I mean, look, for the first, like, week, sure. And then you're like, oh, fuck, I forgot Dude, my gun. you know that joke I have about that cop that I sold a pound of shrooms to? Yeah. When he first got his gun, I went to his stoop, and he was just pointing it at his buddy. <laughs> 
Dude, cops suck so fucking much. Dude, man. They're the worst. Why, why can't they ever? Just he was like, he cool. was like, go get me a beer, asshole. And he was just, and it was on his mom. This is at his mom's house. He's just pointing a gun on the stoop, his fucking service <laughs> weapon at his buddy that he grew up with. God fucking damn it! Are you serious? Yes. Dude, like, there's so much of me. He literally said, like, don't make me pistol whip you as he's pointing a gun without a safety on it at his best friend. All right. So, like, there's a fucking Kyle Kinane bit where he's like, man, like, at a certain point, you realize that cop could have been me. Right. It was like, you know, I, I, I one door was the post office. This place is paying me two bucks more an hour and it came with a gun. And it's just like. You know, I want to fucking give these guys the benefit of the doubt, dude. I, I know multiple. Like that I know multiple like, people who who uh, were at least on the list for the NYPD. That's the one civil. I think actually the only civil service test I took was the fire department, but I absolutely refuse to take the NYPD one. Because, huh? I took it. And did well. I'm sure you did. Uh, like, I'm. How fucking hard could the test possibly be? Some of this shit is very clearly. Silly. You're allowed to be colorblind. Dude, we should take some fucking we should take some practice quiz to uh questions. the NYPD. The I would do that. Yeah, that's fun. Um, yeah, I'll do that next week. Let's do let's do that next. Okay. Week. Um, <clears throat> but it's uh, it's, I think a gun is a benefit. I think a gun is a, clearly a benefit to any job. The NYPD is a uh, shitty job to have, but you can have a like, come on, guys. Uh, Mike left. I don't know where he went. But here's the thing. <clears throat> Andrew Yang wants that. He wants uh, the cops to live in these neighborhoods. Here's the thing. What, what do they do? You think it's not, you're not going to have cops living in Midtown where the oligarchs own all these fucking empty apartments. There's all these apartment buildings that are completely empty because the apartments cost $10 million because, like, fucking criminals own them. How, there's no point in having cops live in them. You're not going to have, even just moving into the city, what a lot of people don't realize is, like, you go out to Rockaway. Anybody who listen to this, go out to Rockaway, Queens. You go to Breezy Point. That just exists because cops used to have to live in New York City. And it's just like it was vacation bungalows. And when everybody was fleeing the city, people just bought these vacation bungalows because they had to have a New York address. It's a fucking – it's a scam. It's a fucking fabrication that people fucking do in this fucking city where – People just I know I know a woman that has a studio apartment so she can work for DOH. It's ridiculous. It's never gonna work. What's another stupid Andrew Yang thing? I saw a tweet from Andrew Yang where he said uh he keeps talking to people who are mad about street vendors. Oh, that one got me. That one hit me right between the eyes. Oh, I'm furious. Let me read this. I have it pulled up. I literally was just like, are you a fucking all right? You know what I hear over and over again? That NYC is not enforcing rules against unlicensed street vendors. I'm for increasing licenses, but we should do more for the retailers who are paying rent and trying to survive. Um, that's the... St who is saying that? Who are you talking to, Andrew, yet? Like, nobody gives... Like, literally, that's how Andrew Garner died. Like, that... Eric Garner. Yeah. That's how Eric that's how he got choked out by the cops is because he was selling cigarettes out like that's not no average New Yorker, even the ones that own restaurants, don't care about food trucks. Really. You know what I mean? Like maybe a taco restaurant would be mad if a taco truck opened right out front. That seems like a dick move, but I don't think we need to get the police involved. Yeah. Necessarily.
You know? It's pretty whack. He followed it up with, I like to bring more unlicensed vendors into the legal market. Education for immigrant, non-English-speaking vendors on rules of vending. Opening more spaces for illegal outdoor vending. Working with small businesses to broker tensions. To broker tensions. All would help. Okay, to be fair, mm-hmm. right? This is I'm, I'm to playing, be fair. You still want that thousand bucks? Playing devil's advocate for Yang here. <clears throat> he he is like he's a futurist, right? Like that's always been his thing. That's like that's that's kind of the. Are bed- you saying that Asian people are from the future? I'm, that's racist, Mike. I'm saying stop Asian hate. I'm saying that he is focused on bringing these people into. Um, into the fold, right? Like that whole idea of like what Trump into was the folds like, of his eyes. You racist! I wish the racehorse was here to give you <laughs> what for, Mike. But it's, he's out on because he's high on drugs. You don't know that. I I look. I have my suspicions. The racehorse uh, has been acting very erratic off air. I mean, to be fair, I think I think this is just a personal beef because he keeps calling you on your bullshit. Why isn't he here? He didn't call in. He called no call, no no show. He uh he he did he wrote a note. It said uh, uh do better, Chris. I think the racehorse is on drugs, Mike. Mm. He's falling in with the wrong crowd. I don't, I don't like it. Um, no, but so I I understand what Yang is saying as far as like these people shouldn't be unlicensed street vendors, right? Because there is no path to fucking long term success and stability there, right? All right, let me break this down. I've lived on my in my apartment for six years. Mm-hmm. Um. More than that, probably like close to eight years now. Uh, uh, there's a lady on my corner who sells elote, street corn, right? Okay. And also a corn soup, which has all the same fixings as the elote, which is that's my go-to. You get the large, the large is three dollars, small is two fifty. You go with the large; it's like double the amount of soup, Mike. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, uh, she does not need to speak English. I feel like she does pretty well. To be honest, sometimes she's out of soup. It's a and all she does is she comes out every day with a big, you know, those big uh, the the Gatorade thing that they dump on the coaches, one of those, and then some corn. And she by the end of the day, she is sold out. Okay, so point counterpoint. I was just down in Hilton Head, South Carolina, right, visiting the folks. Uh, there's a company called All Joy Donuts down there. Okay, they make pretty good donuts. For them, it's like the closest thing they have. To so donuts. it's some joy donuts. Yeah, I mean it's like false whatever. advertising, whatever. Okay, so there was some things that would have made me more joyous about these donuts. However, right, one they, they should have not sucked so much. They were doing the best they could, but they started out of their own home, right? Just making them like in their in in uh you know their own home oven, which I'm assuming this lady's doing herself, right? Just making mm-hmm. the soup at home in a in a regular kitchen. Sure, uh, they were able to. Right, because of the growth they were having, because they were consistently selling out of these donuts, like this lady is somewhat consistently selling out of this soup. Maybe she doesn't want to fucking leave her house. She works from home. That's the fucking dream. Okay, or she could have a fucking bigger store that brings in significantly more money and grow it into something that, you know, could become a staple in the community. She is a staple in the community. Everybody knows that lady. Okay, she's outside, Chris. All right. Chris, she sells two items. She, I don't for all I know, she doesn't know how to cook any other things. Because I'll tell you this, if I got to cook all that corn every morning before I even leave the house to make a dollar, I'm not cooking when I get home, Mike. Okay, but if she's, she's out there 7 days a week, Mike, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, sometimes it's just her, sometimes it's just her husband. They switch. It they're a cute couple. I'll be honest, it's her and her husband. They're adorable. Chris, you understand what I'm saying? 
Yes, I understand that we, but it should be voluntary. And I don't think, I really don't think I it's agree. a, it's also not, and look, here it, here's the thing. As somebody who was in a restaurant business and then like would have like loved to get a food truck at a point, it is very difficult to get licensing. But the, the you know, there is a reason for that. That lady is, is kind of a weird exception to the rule. Oh, the churro ladies on the, on the train is like, let's not bust their balls. But if you do do this thing where it's like now food trucks are kind of like upscale and it does kind of eat into businesses, you know what I mean? In, in a very real way, like <clears throat> whatever, like down the block, you got Tompkins Square Park, right? Yes. You got Miss Lily's right there. Yeah. It's a very nice restaurant. Right. Or it's a trendy restaurant. It's a it's upscale Caribbean food. If there's just a like honestly, like if you're out, you could if you want like a nice meal, you could sit there and eat. But if there's like a truck that sells fancy food out of the truck, even like vaguely upscale hipstery food, you just go sit in a park and eat that. Yeah. Not up to fucking tip anyone. Right, like well, you gotta put a couple bucks in the fucking thing, but yeah, sure. But you know what I mean. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and it's also the kind of thing where it's like if you know like a cool truck, like some young chick is gonna be fucking way more into that. Yeah, like, I mean, I've told this. I took you. You ever go to um, uh, Port Forty One? No. I took my girlfriend on like our third date to this bar called Port Forty One, and I remember she brought it up years later. Where it was like, the fact that I had the balls to bring her into such a dog a, a shithole, <laughs> on like our third date, because she used to work at a Grand Central Oyster Bar, okay, and we went to the movies on Forty Second Street, and she's like, oh, everything's gonna be like closed. It's almost four. I was like, I know a bar that's open, and it was a uh, bikini bar called Poor Forty One, where beers were two dollars, <laughs> and here's the here's the charm of the bar. They sold motocrosses. No, but here's the charm of the bar. All of the girls at the time, they changed. Eventually, it was like Russian girls that worked here, but at the time, it was all like hood Puerto Rican girls from Hell's Kitchen that worked there. I was like, trust me, this is grimy, but there's a charm that you will understand within minutes. And it's because nobody was getting, nobody was sucking cock in the back. It's just you had to wear a bikini to work there. And it was all these like hood Puerto Rican girls. And, uh, as soon as like one girl was like get the like within minutes of us walking in, somebody got thrown out for being even a little fresh, and she was like, "Oh, this isn't bad," and she was like, "I got to give you a lot of credit for being like, hey, I know a bar around here, and it's that." So it was like, if you know a good truck, for like most my my girlfriend probably a little bit like more like, all right, I I kind of got to expect this from this fucking taxi driver idiot, but like, you know, but if you know a good truck, I feel like a girl likes a. a Something in the cut. Girls like something that seems, like, quirky and offbeat. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you know, like, a really good... If, if, you, if you can just make up a food that a girl has not ever eaten... Like, if you... Like, the only reason why anybody goes to get Ethiopian... Have you ever had Ethiopian food? Yes, once. It's fine. It's all right. But the only reason why anybody ever eats that is because fucking girls go, oh, let's try, I would try Ethiopian food. Yep. That's the only reason why it exists. Like, literally in, in Staten Island, there's six Sri Lankan restaurants on one street. I guarantee you, every, there's, there's, a, there's a type of dumb guinea, right, who doesn't go to college, but then at around 24, right, like learns some basic philosophy stuff and then just says that to 19-year-old girls in local bars. Right, and then that guy in Staten Island brings those girls to get Sri Lankan food, 
for $9, and they all suck as cock. It's pretty dope. I guarantee that exists. Because I guarantee that those girls lived their, their entire life in Staten Island. It was like, I never had that. And he's like, oh, no, you got to understand. It's really good, though. And then just like, it's just, so it's vaguely Indian, Asian-y food. Fine. Fine. All right. That's the Dead City segment. Moving on. Jesus Christ, Mike. We have one drop. Just get a button that has the one drop on it, Mike. Jesus, it takes so long to move on. Moving on. Said to make sure there was no other. Moving on. That was our segment about moving on. There you go. That's that's very quick. Um. (laughs) So apparently, there's a uh, the Defense Department has a microchip. That can detect COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the scariest. I, I think it's fake. I think it's just a lie. They're just like, hey, let's put this microchip in you so we can detect COVID. And then they just be like, every time you get mad about something, they're like, oh, turns out you got COVID, bud. My app, my thing just buzzed. Remember that guy <laughs> who got tased talking to uh, John McCain? Yeah, the, yeah. Don't tase me, bro guy. Mm-hmm. They would just be like, COVID. Ah, tackled them. Just like, just like, just like some cop just shows you a screen and goes, "You have COVID, dude!" Boom! They're gonna try to get. That's the next move. Is everybody's gonna have to get the COVID microchip that only works for this one place? Listen to the 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 division that uh, uh, created the COVID microchip, Mike. Uh, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. I'll say that again. The revolutionary technology was developed by. The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Um, DARPA. Mm, I was trying to figure out the... I I saw you doing it. (laughs) Uh, But does that not seem like a a group of people that would be at odds with the SWAT cats or something? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just, what, what are we doing here? It's like, first of all, I also... Don't believe that you have a microchip that can detect COVID. Why? It turns green when you got the COVID, and it's not green when you don't. How do they know it's green? It's in you. Yeah, because it like pokes up to the thing. And then- oh, like a, like one of those things they stick in a turkey before you buy it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's done. Get him out of here. Stop asking John McCain questions. It's going to be some guy walking around with his phone going like, boop, boop, boop. Yeah, yeah. I'm literally. It's just gonna be like. It's literally just like a, an app on your phone. That's the thing that you turn over at the Brazilian steakhouse to red or green. And just every Fed is just like, oh, it's green. Get him. Whenever you say anything against the government, that's all that is. Maybe. I don't know, dude. I could. I. I. They're not even gonna actually put microchips in people. They're just going to tell you they have a microchip yeah. and just wait for you to act up and be like, oh, your microchip's going off. You've got COVID. And just punch your face off of your head. That's what is going to happen if we do this. <laughs> That's the new treatment for COVID. Yeah. Just an FBI agent punching your face off of your fucking head. Can't really argue with that. Hey, look, man, you can't spread germs if you got no face on your head. I just think this is – how do people – it's, it's a funny thing. I was talking about this with a few people recently. 
The COVID passports as it is are just such a nonsensical thing. Just like the idea of having a COVID passport is just like the same people that are for COVID passports are the same people that are against voter IDs. And the people that are against, that are for voter IDs are against COVID passports. Yeah. These are both nonsensical things that you should not need. Correct? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I, yeah, you should. We said it on the show last week where it's like, it, I, I, I refuse to get a COVID passport until I really want to go somewhere. <laughs> so it's like, I Until know. the next time it's cold, I refuse to get a COVID passport. Okay. And then I'm gonna really need to go to Aruba, Mike. <laughs> I mean, dude, I don't know. I was talking to I was talking to Shannon about like how much of a nightmare it was getting tested like 72 hours before St. Martin's, then 72 hours like before she had to leave, and like why'd I, she do all that? Because it's what she had to do to travel internationally right now. They don't check. I don't know, dude. Shannon's a rule follower. They're not. Ch- I'm gonna just throw this out there. You're supposed to do that when you fly domestically. I was supposed to do that when I went to Florida. You were probably supposed to do that when you went to South Carolina. Yeah, fuck that, dude. I got that J&J one-shot doggy. But, no, I'm just saying, even before the vaccines, they were like, I traveled before I got vaccinated. They were like, yeah, you have to get it three days before you leave. We were in Florida for three days. We got fucking tested as soon as we got off the plane. And then my girl got tested at some point. When she, I called you and was just like, hey, do you, do you care if I come in without getting tested? And you're like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> You're like, whatever, man. In for a penny, in for a pound. Like, I was like, all right, let's go. And then my girlfriend had to get tested for work anyway. Nobody died. Um, I don't know, dude. I really like the... I don't know, man. Like, there, there is something about, like, how crazy of a concept is it that you have to show your driver's license or whatever. To vote? Yeah. Okay. You should have some kind of... So I have a theory about this. Okay. Let me get into it. I think... So they always paint it... The the Democratic Party always paints it as racist, right? Yeah. I don't think it's racist. I think they want voter ID laws to keep 18-year-olds from voting. Because 18-year-olds overwhelming... The only people I know that had problem getting... I know plenty of people when I was 18 that had a problem getting an ID. In New York, in particular. Um, I had a massive problem getting an ID. Uh, you need six points of identification. And I, uh, I, I neglected to get one before I turned 18. Then 9-11 happened. Made it much more difficult. Whereas a Social Security card did not count. That was zero points. I believe birth certificate is also zero points. You just somehow get six points. You can pull it up. Uh, pull up six points of identification in New York. I don't remember exactly what it is because I haven't had to do it in a while. But it was... Um, I, I think the only points of identification I had were my high school transcript. Okay, so let's see, let's see, see this. So now, <clears throat> New York State photo driver license, right? Six points. I needed to get one of those, so clearly I didn't have it. Uh, EDL... Not, Again, different type of driver's license. Didn't have it. Statement of identity and or residence. Why would I have that? I was a child. Um, U.S. passport, just didn't have one. Military ID card, again, had just turned 18. Certificate of citizenship. Was born here, don't have that. 
Valid employment authorization card. Again, born here, don't have that. Permanent resident card, re-entry card, refugee travel card, foreign passport, foreign passport. Here's a, here's, so here's, a, here, here's what I did have. Uh, I had an expired welfare card without a, uh, without a photo from when I was five years younger. Um, NYC pistol permit. Let me ask you something, Mike. Do they think, you think they give you a pistol permit in New York City without a dr- valid driver's license? No! No, they will not give you a pistol permit in New York without valid photo ID. Shocking. Pull, up, pull that up again. Uh, New York State Certificate of Title. For an automobile. For an automobile. That's what a certificate of title is. Uh, Canadian birth certificate. Didn't have one of those, shockingly. Uh, look at all the college, college ID. So basically what I had to do, I had my high school ID with a report card. So that's two points. I had uh, my high school diploma. That's one point. So I had three points of ID. Um, I had the... So I think I had, I think I, that's what it is. I had five points because I had an expired old Medicaid card from when I was like 13. Um, so I had those five points. You need six points. You know what my sixth point was you used to be able to use as a point? I had to bring my elderly father into the DMV to get an ID. And the only reason why he came with me is because it was his idea for me to get an ID because my dad was a fucking dumb mook who was like, I don't want you getting jammed up while you're doing dumb mook shit on the street. And you don't have a fucking ID, you idiot. Not everybody has a dad who thinks that way. I'll tell you this. My buddy Reef, and this is a common thing, he, uh, it took him a, a while to get an ID. He didn't have a valid ID until after he was 21. So that's four, over four years. That's like about four years of voting that uh, he, he didn't do. Well, I mean, it's not like who the fuck's voting. It's like, you know, for pussies. Um, but he... Uh, had his dad's name, right, on his birth certificate. But his parents weren't together. He lived with his mom. His mom put her name on all of his school records. So his school records, even though he went by his dad's last name because that's what was on his birth certificate, that was his name, his mom hated his dad so much that she didn't want to have to see his name on the fucking school papers. So she put her own last name when she registered him for a school. Oh, she sucks. Sure, but I bet that happens more often than you think. I, I legitimately think it's less about race, but they lit- the reason why they make it about race when they have these laws passed is because if they make it about age, no one will care. You know what I mean? I think it's significant because, like, whatever, they did the thing. Was it Peter Schiff did the video years ago? where he went to Harlem and he just asked a bunch of black people if they had ID, and they were all like, who the fuck doesn't have ID? I think it might have been Peter. It was somebody of, or it might have been like one of the Tucker Carlson guys or something. But somebody went up and just like asked a bunch of guys in Harlem. It was like, you know, a man on the street video asked, you know, a couple dozen people. And they were like, of course, everybody has ID. You have to. And then this is also like, you should have ID. Again, be, my dad was completely right. You should have ID on you so that when you're young and you get fucking inevitably, which I have been, when I was 18, dozens of times randomly frisked by the police. If you do not have ID, they immediately run you through the system. Like, so it's like you should have ID, but it's just hard to get an ID. But you're also young enough looking. So there's this weird law in New York where if you're 16 or under, 
the cops just have to let you go. Like, they're not allowed to detain you unless you've committed, like, a violent crime. Huh. Or, like, an actual, like, destroyed property. So, like, you can't get in trouble for not having an ID if you're under 16. But if you're 18, you just be like, I'm 16. And just have that date in your head, the right year. And just tell them that very quickly. And they'll just be like, all right, get out of here. Because an 18-year-old could just be 16. Sure. Almost all the time. I'm going to say it next time. It'll work. <laughs> Mike's going to get fucking Eric Garnered. <laughs> But I think I do think that those I I do think that those ID laws are more I think I mean look there's probably a racial component to it because it's probably more common in poor households which tend to be black and brown. But even the guy did you see the fucking thing the governor of Georgia was on it was on it's on Newsmax which is like the most ridiculous thing. Do you know what Newsmax is? Yeah yeah yeah. It's the more Fox News Fox News. Yeah. Um fucking but he was like, look, yeah, people can't give you water. That's just electioneering. He's like, he's like, you can order Grubhub online at, when you're voting. And then he got shitted on. No, you can't. He said in Georgia, if you wanted to order a pizza, it's legal. No, it's not. He said it. He's the governor. He's wrong. You think he's lying? In Georgia, you're not allowed to do that? The... the, the uh, laws are different state to state. New York has stricter voting laws than well, other no. states. New York, uh, Georgia's the one that's coming under fire for just having passed this. <clears throat> yeah. Basically, <clears throat> people aren't allowed to give you... You're not allowed to receive a gift on a line. So somebody can't give you a bottle of water. Oh, but you can... <clears throat> but you can pay for a pizza. Oh, and family members can bring you water? I'm sure family members can. I'm sure there's a weird thing where... There's no way to really prove it. There's, no, there's all these things. Laws are always written very vaguely and poorly so that they can enforce them in ways they're not meant to be enforced, just in general. That's just how laws are written. So it's like, all right, because I, I said this on uh, Without a Country, right? Mm -hmm. Corinne asked, like, we, we were going over the Georgia voting law thing. And Corinne asked, she's like, why would this even be part of the law? And I was like, what? The, the no, like, water thing. Because right? it's, 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 it's it was a big talking point. No, it's basic electioneering. And that was my thing where I was like, yo, could it be where it's like, yo, if you're that on the fence, you show up that day not knowing who you're going to vote for. And it comes down to whoever gives you the better snacks. And she was like, that's ridiculous. I agree that it is ridiculous, but that's the spirit of the law. That is the spirit of the law. That doesn't mean it's OK. But they can give you water. I did read that poll workers are allowed to give yeah, you poll water. Poll workers are allowed to give you snacks. No, they can't give you snacks anymore. Nonpartisan poll workers are allowed to give you snacks. They're allowed to have, no, they're allowed to have snacks in the polling place after you vote. Okay. But again, you're apparently allowed to order a pizza online. Huh. All right. Take your word for it. So I mean, again, I th I really do think the I think the ID thing more insidiously comes down to a youth thing. Cause really that's the one because adult black people have fucking adult black and brown people have IDs. Um, like if it, if it is actually discrimination and not just they're actually scared of voter fraud nonsensically, which doesn't seem likely. I, I thought the spirit of it, I mean, at least from the Republican point of view, is you it would block people who are not, uh, you know, undocumented, um, you know, Americans. You still have to be on the voter rolls, Mike. Hmm. 
Like you still have to walk into your district. Like so, like think about it this way. Let's say I don't need an ID to vote, right? Mm-hmm. Which I don't even remember if I showed an ID when I voted this year. You still have to walk into my polling place and say my name and address to the lady. Okay. But if you where I'm registered to vote. Okay. But if you live in a place, your kids go to school there, right? Why couldn't you register to vote without being a citizen? What do you mean? You're still registered to vote. What do you mean? Well, you have to register to vote, which means you have to have a social security number. Right. But if mm, do you? Yes. Huh. I don't know. All I'm saying is like, I mean, I yeah, people, people can do voter fraud and go in, but they would literally have to. I know people who are working under fake social security numbers. All right, Mike, there's going to be some level of fraud even with the ID. You think they can't get a fucking ID? Right, fair enough. Like, it's, like there's going to be some level of fucking fraud in an election. I don't yeah, think so this changes shit. Other than it's literally just for 18-year-olds? I think it's more for 18-year-olds than anything else. Anything huh. to defer an 18-year-old from doing a thing. That makes sense. Like, and I think it's, I think if, if there is, if it isn't just a thing, because it could also just be a thing where Republicans are like, we're just going to pass this to please our base. Because they're just othering, really, right? Like, you know what I mean? It's just like these immigrants are voting. But like the actual, the actual people they're keeping from voting are 18-year-olds. 18 to, 19, 18 to 20-year-olds. Because you don't really care about having a fucking ID. Like, if you're in a state where you don't drive, like we live in New York where people don't drive. If you don't, if you don't, have, if you can't afford a car, poor eighteen to twenty year olds, because you can't afford a car, you don't really need a fucking ID until you're twenty one, because you have a fake ID to get into bars anyway. True. Shit, I showed my fake ID to cops more than once. <laughs> when I had a good one, mm. fucking Mike Lepowski, go get that fucking ticket. Go fuck yourself, Mike Lepowski. <laughs> Moving on. Mike? Yes? You so you told me you had a, an NFT plan. Yeah. What's the plan, Mike? Okay, so... Uh, digitizing physical trading cards. That's what NFTs are, Mike. Right. But having a thing where you go through Wizard of the Coast to authenticate your Magic the Gathering collection, let's say, right? You have... So that's a good idea. You have like this many of this card. You have, you know, you bring your whole collection in. They prove that you oh, have Oh, you it. have to use your... Actual cards. To make NFTs. Exactly. So it's a one-to-one ratio that Wizard converts. And when Wizard comes out with new drops, they'll hold back certain cards... And so when- there's no, so to use like a card. So my cousin mm-hmm. had a Juzum Dijen. Okay. When we were young, there was a couple of very rare cards. That was a top. Yeah. That was maybe like the third most expensive card. Okay. Right. So it was like, like the Black Lotus. Black Lotus is your 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 first example. Most people go to. Yeah. Yeah. So my my cousin had a Juzum Dijen. Okay. First edition of whatever it came out. Okay. It was worth when we were kids like six hundred bucks. Okay. Um, right. So I'm assuming it's a very powerful card. It's just a very cheap card. Okay. So whatever the case may be, right? It's if it's that expensive, people would want to use it. It would have in-game capabilities, t- typically, right? So let's say you wanted to use that. Mm-hmm. 
right? But you're not going to bring out your $600 card to, you know, a tournament. Mm -hmm. Right now, Wizards has a thing where you, like, register everything and, like, you submit it and take pictures, right? Mm -hmm. And go through, like, this whole very antiquated authentication process Mm -hmm. um, to prove that you have it. Then you can proxy that card when you go to play in a tournament. Mm -hmm. If you were able to do it simply with an NFT... And have a thing where your phone, you would like. But a you would just wallet. have an app. You'd have a wallet on your. phone. Essentially, yeah, you'd have a wallet on your phone. You show up, you scan your phone with the guy, and he hands you a deck that has all of your cards already proxied in there. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? I see. So you don't have to bring your collection anywhere, and you just have every single Magic card um, doubled on your phone. And what it would also do would add a layer of security to the physical trading card where without the two factor authentication of also having the NFT with it. So you'd have to get the card graded. Um, that could be, I, I, I think that makes sense to, um, especially for the NFT part of it. You know what I mean? You'd have to have, yeah, like CGC, you'd have to partner with a CGC. So like the real problem with this is Mike, Mm-hmm. It's a great idea. Right. I think it's the best idea you've ever had. Right. Um, not only do you not own Wizards of the Coast uh, or CGC, which is the uh, collectible graded company, right. uh, you also uh, do not know how to code <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. You don't need to know how to code to create NFTs, but I guarantee you don't know how to make NFTs. I'll be honest, I'm completely off NFTs because NBA Top Shot screwed me today. How so? I had 15 moments. You had to have 15 moments to get the legendary pack today. Mm-hmm. And they said I wasn't eligible even though I had 15 moments. It's fucking bullshit. Because basically, you're supposed to have 15 moments by 3 p.m. yesterday. But I had them. They were in an unopened pack. And I was like, oh shit, I have to open this pack so that I can get the legendary pack tomorrow. And I go to open it, and they didn't put the moments in my fucking account for a fucking full day, Mike. It's on you, Bubba. NFTs are bullshit. Nobody should ever buy them. It's fake. It's all fake. But that is a good idea. I do think that's a fucking great idea. I mean, I think that's the real... I think that I think you're right that that'll move it along, because you know what it is also? It's like an asset-based coin. You you not now you now have here's what's interesting about that though. How do you track the sales of them? What do you mean? You've now doubled you've now doubled the amount of those cards that exist. How so? Well now there's a digital asset. So I can No, your digital asset is paired with your physical asset. So if I sell you the digital asset, I have to give you the physical asset? Yeah. How do you assure that? Um you would have uh you would have to do it on a trading platform that wizards would develop eBay. where sure they could partner with eBay mm. whatever the case may be it's like you already have that like that built-in thing where um built- I can't even really shit on this Mike it's a good idea yeah it's just it's funny it's like you were just like you were like you I could tell this is this is what was funny about it to me is I could tell when you were telling me about it before the show, like you told me like vaguely about it. You didn't want to, like, I didn't know what it was, right? Uh, but you, you would tell me, you were like, eh, I don't know. And I'm, you were like, you know what? I can't really do it anyway. It's like, but for a minute, you were kind of like, I can't let this idea out into the world because it's such a good idea. No, it's literally the only use of that technology that makes sense. I know. I completely, 
I, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you. If but. it became if it became industry standard to do that for every physical trading thing you had, and the NFT would serve as two factor authentication that couldn't be uh, faked and would only live in the digital. So space. the NFT would essentially be your certificate of authenticity. Exactly. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, but there's a funny thing about it. So we're talking about this. It's an interesting thing. I'm sure there's people listening that are going, oh, that's pretty interesting. Mike had a good idea. But it's like, you would just sit on that for 12 years, and then somebody would just do it. And you'd be like, I had that idea. Yeah. I, I, now I, it's provable. Here's the thing. This is the NFT that you had the idea first, Mike. Because this is going to be dated. It's going to live on the internet forever. Yeah. So now at least people know. Because there's no way you could have ever done this. No, like literally, I would I would need to be working for Wizards of the Coast. The, the and not even necessarily Wizards of the Coast. It could be and you'd need to be working for CGC because what you'd say is we will provide like literally a comic book grading company or a card grading company could do that because they'd be like we're going to issue an, you an NFT that is exclusive to your copy of this that we graded because they give you a number that you're graded with. Yeah, but the problem is the only way to make money on it, right? And the only way for it to be viable for any company. It just comes with your grading. No, no, no. Yeah, but it's still the the wait, you're saying so if you pay to get your card graded through a CGC, digital a digital CGC NFT is less fudgeable, huh? Huh? Than a certificate of authenticity, which I could just we just print certificate of authenticities. Right, like I have a ton of collectibles that have certificate of not a ton. I have like a handful of collectibles that have certificate of authenticities, but I know they're real because I bought them from either reputable, very reputable merchants, or um, the directly from the artist. Okay, so if we were to expand on that concept, um, like how could you could just do that with a comic book? Like why? Like you could, could literally do that with anything. Yeah. Just using NFTs strictly. Well, you as- use it. You do a grading platform, and then you also have the NFT. You know what I mean? But it doesn't really increase the value of the item. It's just a better certificate of authenticity. It increases the value of the item because it opens a second marketplace to it, right? So you're. It's, it's pe- not a second marketplace. It is a second marketplace in the sense that people can look up uh, the price of the NFT, and the price of the NFT would be bundled with the price of the physical item. Do you get what I'm saying? Like it's a one, I get it. It's a one-to-one value. So when it you, just makes it easier to exchange these things. You don't have to use an eBay. You can use just a, a wallet marketplace. You know what I mean? Like and and sure, also but you would get the you would get the NFT instantly with the physical media to come. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, which honestly makes life a lot easier for um, merchants at like cons. Oh yeah, that's where it really comes in. That's who you're really working with. Then at that point, is you go you go to like. That's actually really smart because you go to like a like a limited a limited edition print from a Comic Con. Because I have a bunch of those, but there's no certificate of authenticity. It's just signed by the artist. This is one of fifty, but anybody can just make these. Yeah. If you have that with it, and it, it relatively simple to make, it's way easier than drawing a thing. Right. It's a good idea, Mike. Now all you need is seven thousand angel investors. Just and a working understanding of how to run a business that takes tech startup money, which I have no idea how to do that. 
I mean, dude, it's a really it's the yeah, what well, you thing. need. You need you know what you need. You need an investor that can give you enough money that you could buy Wizards of the Coast. I hate so magic the, cards, by the way. So here's the reason why I think it, it it would make sense for Wizards of the Coast is because when Wizards they, of the Coast it does make the most sense for it. That's the kind of thing where it's like if you built the technology and you got mm-hmm. Wizards of the Coast on board, mm-hmm. now you're fucking golden. Yeah. And like, here's the thing: what you could do, right? Uh, if you're Wizards of the Coast, while you're printing your packs, right? You leave, you print an extra, you know, twenty thousand boxes, and you leave those boxes in the warehouse, and you open them, right, in real time, catalog them, right, keep them together like a real pack of magic cards, mm-hmm. right, and then you drop it as drops, right? Sure. So it's like people would be buying Magic the Gathering cards in the same way, and what you could do is as you go through the box, mm-hmm. right, you could mark how many commons, how many... um you know, how many commons, how many uncommons, how many rares, how many mythic, and like... Yeah, but people so the, will be buying it, and then they would eventually get the physical cards. Well, no, no, but the, the other thing about it is, based on math, right, they understand, based on probabilities, how much comes out in each line, because they know what they made, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's an actual physical asset. So as the, um, as the packs start to be bought up in the digital space, right, of those 20,000, like, you know... Uh, uh, like they sent out 40,000 physical that will eventually come with the NFTs that will fill the the thing. Um, as they open up packs... You really put a lot of thought in it. No, I'm just... This is on the fly thinking about this. As they open up packs, you'll see the odds of being able to open like uh, certain rares, certain mythic rares, certain things. So like the value of the next top... Like the next... Magic the Gathering drop will go up or down based on what is known to be left in the box based on probability Mm. like there's a real marketplace you can build around that and i feel like it would build excitement for the game and have people um yeah people would be people people are playing magic again right people every every couple of years i feel like magic the gathering comes back i was saying this to brian this morning he's like dude i played in the heyday there was like nine million people now it's like a hundred thousand i'm like yeah but there's a dedicated audience on twitch there's a dedicated audience is on there YouTube. A, is there is it only a hundred thousand i mean dude, that I doesn't know. make any Bri- sense yeah, to me brian brian makes up numbers you know what i mean like it is what it is but like the 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 it is way down from like the quote unquote heyday but uh technology has made it so much easier to um play the game magic sucks no magic's great here's why it sucks i'll tell you why right now i'm gonna tell you why all your whole nft thing just made me feel bad uh i you know why i stopped playing magic the gathering i was like i was a child it was very popular it was like uh the same year as pogs and then uh i i I really couldn't i had a job you know i was a young 13 year old with a job okay i would buy some magic the gathering cards my dad thought it was stupid my dad was old. Uh, I had two cousins okay. I played Magic with. Their dads thought it was cool. And they had tons of cards. And I could only get, like, shitty cards. And that is not fun for anyone. No, that sucks. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. I hear that they have, like, sealed deck tournaments. That sounds pretty fun. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, that's... Uh, other than that, the, like, the... Um, aristocracy around magic cards, which it seems like your thing would allow more of because people would like... So, like, my cousin Andrew had that uh, Juzum Dijen, which was a powerful card. Yeah. He couldn't use it because it was in, like, one of those fucking card holders with the with the screws. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? So it's not like I had to deal with that card when we were playing, but he did just have enough cards yeah. where it was I couldn't ever beat him. But, I mean, there's also a thing where, as a grown-up, Chris, you can just go to a store. Yeah, now, me, now. Yeah. But I don't like what it what it symbolizes. Okay, but you can... I, this is... But that's what makes Standard so cool, right? Because they rotate out cards every... Um, I think it's every year. I'm just saying is like there's, I I don't like just the idea of trading card games in general, because it's like you got all everybody playing the same thing, but just like one kid just can buy whatever the it's, yeah. But even if he buys whatever he wants, right? Uh -huh. There still is a thing where you know styles make fights, right? So if you have the quote unquote best deck ever, the best blue black deck, what there still is the perfect counter deck for it. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's built into every engine of every single game that they make. And it's like, that's what makes it super fun is like, you can build a super duper cheap fucking homebrew deck that can beat the. No, you could. Yeah. I mean, I used to be super cheap yeah. with the. Uh, I had the super cheap uh, to counteract my cousins whose parents had money and they had like good cards. I had the incredibly cheap blue and red deck that was just all instant damage. Yeah. That's all you do. It's just so fun. all day instant damage. So fun. But I don't like it. I mean, you're just a hater at this point. I don't like it. I don't like it. I was made to feel bad for having the cheap deck, Mike. Made to feel bad. Moving on. We're going to wrap this up in a second. You ask the goon. We got one ask the goon, and then we're getting out of here. Stay tuned for the Matt Cox interview. Um, so we got him and asked the goon, which was an interesting one because it has not, it was not similar to the ones we've gotten in the past. It's a ask the goon query. Ooh, hey, Chris query. and or Harrington. I think we're roughly the same age. I've had a point where all my degenerate friends have gotten married and had kids and thus hung up their degenerate hats. Dorks. Yeah, I have friends lame. with kids that still do drugs. Yeah, dude. Uh, we've all met Pate. Yes. <laughs> He's got a fish tank that he just grows his own shrimp in to fry. Now. Uh, I, however, still have a deep yearning in my heart to occasionally mess around with Adderall, shrooms, DMT, things of that nature. This guy rules. Any tips on how to find a plug as a grown-ass adult Ooh. with few friend connections? Now, this is something, for the NSA person reading this, this is all satire for podcast content purposes, Jack. Um, so that is an interesting You're on a first name basis with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's an interesting that's an interesting query. I don't know quite how to answer that. I'll tell you how to not do it. Ask a podcast. No, what you shouldn't do is uh, go into the local Pokemon Go Discord server and ask where you can find Leaf Pokemon. Nope. Yeah, that's gonna. That's definitely that. Definitely didn't work for Paperface. That didn't work for me. I tried that last week. Oh, you did? I talked to the edit. I thought you were bringing it up because I talked to the HSR uh, Discord about it. Oh, really? Wait, so you went to... I went to South Carolina. You went to South Carolina to your parents' house. Yeah, and I was looking for a vape pen okay. while I was down there. Why didn't you just bring a vape pen? Because um, I didn't think I was going to want one. I actually didn't want one. It was for... I was doing a favor for a girl who I really want to impress her younger sister. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Girl you went to high school with? No, 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 no. No. But you want to impress her younger sister? Yeah. Okay. The girl's your age? Yeah. Okay. How, anyway. how young's the sister? Don't worry about it. Oh, now you <laughs> got to tell me, Mike. She's young. Anyway. 24? Younger. Oh, my anyway, God, Mike. Chris. Anyway. Point I'm making. Uh... I was trying to be the cool guy, right? I was trying to be like, because I've never had a problem finding anything. I would have just thrown some weed in the mail for you. Damn. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. I, it might yeah. Like, it's like, what, maybe it won't get there, but I would have taken a picture of it, no, and you're right. going to be like, yeah, look, it's coming. All right, so the whole point was, so I got down there, right? That first day, um, she, like, we... Uh, the girl who I went down there to like hang out with, we broke into her little sister's uh, wax and dab rig. So we just fucking took a couple big ass dab hits and we were flying. Uh, but that then, shit is super expensive down there because it's hard to get stuff. Not even that. It was just like it's hard to find. So she. Mm. Um, oh, but it was like dabs though? I mean, that's something that you could definitely get mailed. So she, whatever, she brought it with her because she was on spring break. Mm. Um, so we, like, we spoke Very some young of that. then. We smoked some of that, and I felt bad. Um, and uh, so she she would, had hit me up the next day. She's like, yo, do you know where I can find a vape pen? And I was like, all right, yeah, like, let's get this taken care of, like, today, though. You know what I mean? Like, she wanted it. It was It's it's a very, like, you know, I want it, I want it now kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, so you went into the Pokemon Go server? So I first and foremost, I went to, like, leafed out. I went to a couple different apps, right? They do have, like, different apps where you can, like, go and, and, and search these kinds of things. Is there not just, like, an Instagram? First of all, yeah, if you're just looking for... That's the thing with this guy is he's looking for harder drugs. Mm -hmm. But if you're just looking for Bud, just go on Instagram. Yeah? Yeah. I, I tried doing that. I didn't find anything. I mean, I've got, like, five accounts. You need Bud in New York? Oh, no, in no, no, in uh, hmm. in South Carolina. Anyway, so I I went on this leave out thing. I met this one guy. He was super duper sketchy. He had a delivery <coughs> service, but he was like, "Send me money before I come out." And I was like, "No, that's yeah. insane." Yeah. Um. So I didn't do that. I had another guy down there who was like, "Yeah, I can help you out, but just Bud." And then I had one other guy who was gonna work on it for me, but he never got back to me. So mm. I was like, "Fuck, I'm out of options. I don't want to come back as like the fucking loser middle aged guy who couldn't find a fucking vape cart." And I don't know, man. I think first of all, I think as far as the guy who's asking us a question right now, it's completely fair to be phase like all my guy, all my buddies who have square nine to five jobs literally say we obviously can all find drugs because every comedian knows has like four plugs we had nate working here for a while that could get anything you know what i mean like no i'm just saying it's like he's gone now so we can say this it's fair like he's bad he, he gonna get deported to the place he's from i don't think so um but i'm just saying is like it was like we all have five or six guys we can call for things Right, and I kind of I don't pride myself on it, but it is something where it's like I feel like that's been part of my identity since I was like fifteen. But the guys I but the guys I grew up with are just like I can just call you. Okay, that's fair. So it's I don't I think if I well to be fair if it was me if I'm in the United States where I live looking for drugs I'm just asking everybody. That's just me. You know what I mean? Like, maybe not 
I, honestly, I am just asking literally anybody that I am even kind of friends with. But if you're, hmm, if you're, mid, I'm gonna say if he's middle aged, probably my age, like 38. Yeah. Okay. At that point, honestly, if I'm him, dark web, dude. First of all, yeah, you can just download a tour browser, uh, find some links. You can go. Honestly, you can go on the High Society Radio Discord server, and I'm sure somebody <laughs> will tell you where to check. See, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, what blew my mind was between my Twitter, my Instagram, and all of the skanks, HSR, Bonfire, like all the discords. Nobody knew anybody in that area of South Carolina. It blew my mind. So here's what he asked for: Adderall, shrooms. Here's the thing: DMT is always hard to find. But is it? DMT is relatively hard to find. It's only recently that it's like been even kind of accessible. You know what I mean? But uh, you know, when I was a kid, you could not find DMT. I remember there was a kid uh, in the neighborhood, hood dude, who was just like, and we knew like you know he had fucking dog shit fucking blow, but just like, you know what I mean? Like you know the kind of guy who's just like, yo, I'll get whatever you need. Sure. And we were just like. Okay, you get DMT. He's like, I don't know what that is, but I bet I could. And we're like, all right, cool. call me when you can. <laughs> like it's like was like you were talking about somebody was just like uh, talking about drugs. Like, if you can find Foxy, that's the one. Like it's like hard to find certain things if that's what you want. Dark web is kind of the way to find it. Shrooms though, you should be, and there's a lot of shroom edibles going around now. I'm sure you've seen some. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of shroom edibles going around. So anybody that you can get weed from probably has access to shrooms. Yeah, I hit up. Honestly, also Adderall. Mm, DMT, no. like I said, is maybe a little trickier in a place. I don't know where this guy is. That's the thing. You I, know what's funny is, like, if he's just in New York, you should just said that. We would just put that on the Patreon, you know? <laughs> it's fair. Let's drop it off. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, on the ATVs, that'd be a dope fucking, that'd be a good first GoPro video. I don't hate it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know where you work. There's not enough information, Mike. I don't know where you work. I don't know. If you want to find a plug, I mean, honestly, the way to, we live in a world where it's relatively acceptable to smoke pot. Yeah, I mean, it's legal in New York now. So if you have a weed connect, I think the way to go is vape pen because it's not smoke, right? And just pull that out around people and just be like, yeah, these are great, man. You ever fuck with these? And if the guy goes, yeah, of course, and laughs, then you go, oh, maybe I should talk to you. And you just like, Somebody's going to have, I mean, look, you might get beat in the head. That's also the kind of thing. You got to maybe be willing to not get, to get beat in the head, right? Like, you ever been on vacation with somebody, like with a buddy who's like, man, I don't know, man, that's not worth that. And like, we're on vacation. Yeah. We want to do drugs. Yeah. Shut up. We're going to get some, we're going to get, we're going to get ripped off right now. That's what's going to happen. We're not, you, you don't, you're not paying, you're paying tourist prices for drugs, you idiot. Yeah, but I feel like the fucking dark web eliminates that. Yeah, except the dark web, yeah, here's the thing, definitely try the dark web, but it seems like if that guy's asking us, he doesn't want to do the dark web. Hmm, it's fair. 
but be willing to pay a premium if you don't want to do that. I mean, there's risk involved there. Sending, getting drugs into your house is a risk. It's true. Like, if you're like, what is the risk actually? You can receive anything. You say you don't know what it was. Still, though, if you're in a small town, they're probably going to lock you up. You think? I think if you're anywhere other, like in New York, they don't give a shit. They're mm. just going to be like, all right, whatever, this happened. In like California, they're not going to give a shit. But like, I don't know, if you, your parents' town, you were just there. Yeah. What, what's it called? Hilton Head. Hilton Head, South Carolina. Yes. In Hilton Head, South Carolina, uh-huh. if you got an ounce of mushrooms sent to you, and the local postman called the local police department. That guy's not locking you up? I mean... Like a cop in New York might, but probably not. I mean, I I, I just feel like it'd be tough for him to know that he delivered me an ounce of shrooms. Oh, yeah, sure. But if they find it in a... I just think if they, if they find drugs in a New York post office, they kind of laugh it off. If they find drugs in a Hilton Head, South Carolina post office, they kind of go, well, I should probably call the authorities. Maybe. I think it's more likely. Okay. So, I mean, in that case, I, I don't know. So the, the tips I got when I was asking this, right, was go to bars. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because, I mean, here's the thing. Who the fuck is going to have drugs in a town like, all right, if go to a bar an hour before closing on a Wednesday and see who's there. Go to the bar that stays open the latest on Wednesday and see who's still there. Or just talk to the bartender. Also that. But the bartender who works Wednesday is going to know better than even the bartender that works Saturday. That's fair. Like, the, there was a reason I said particularly Wednesday, right? Because that's when... Drug dealing people are kind of like, well, I stayed home for two days. I should probably go back out. You know what I mean? Like guys who don't have day jobs, who sell drugs, go out and get fucked up on Wednesday because they are bored out of their minds by Wednesday. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're probably pretty hungover on Sunday, had a couple beers, watched football or something, and then... uh, Monday comes around, and they're like, well, I'm not going to go out every night. And then Tuesday comes around, and they're like, well, I mean, nothing's really going on. And then Wednesday comes around, and they're just like, I should probably go to a strip club or something. <laughs> and see some titties. Yeah, dude, why not talk to a stripper? Stripper's always going to Stripper, again, you got to be willing to pay the premium. But here's the thing. Stripper, probably not going to sell you bad drugs. Because they have a good drug connect that gives them good drugs for very inexpensively. Yeah, They're going to double... Whatever they pay. Because that's just how women think about drugs in general. Well, I got to make double on this. It's like, well, I don't think you understand business, sweetheart. That's not how you establish a customer base, all right? But strip club, definitely a way to score a plug. You're going to have to pay a little bit more. But it's the kind of thing, once you have drugs and you have a little extra drugs, then maybe that's it. Right, Mike? You go to the strip club. You buy some overpriced drugs. Next Wednesday, you go to the late night bar, and you go, happen to have a little, eh, you guys want some. They go, where'd you get that? You go, oh, you know, this whore, can't, this whore dynamite. <laughs> and, uh, oh, that dumb bitch probably ripped you off. I sold her that for this. Now you found the plug. It's pretty brilliant. 
I thought you were going to say, hey, Dynamite, I have some blow now. What's up? <laughs> nope. I mean, but that's also a valid strategy. I'm just saying, yeah, you buy drugs from the stripper. I think that's the way to go. Because okay. the stripper will always sell you drugs. Right. Um, and then sometimes she'll do those drugs with you. Yeah. So you're double extra pay. She's now, it's the same thing like the, the beer you buy the stripper costs $4 more for some reason. Sure. You know what I mean? Is what it is. It's it the price is. of doing business, it's baby. It's the price of doing business. I mean, but my you've man gotten, said he was into debauchery. His, his boys aren't chilling anymore. He doesn't even know where to spend money on drugs. Now, you, now you're friends with Dynamite. He's got some stimmies. Yeah, now you're friends with Dynamite. Stims you know what I mean? Stims. You're about to explode on the scene. You know what I'm saying? All right, that's been Notes of a Goon. We're going to bed. Good night. Oh, stay tuned for the interview. No, Matt Cox. Bed? Well, I'm... No, I'm going to go see Dynamite, do some coke. Try some motocross bikes back to Brooklyn. It's about to be 12 o'clock in this bitch. You know what I'm saying? I'm 12 o'clock, boys. You know about that? No. Oh, what? The documentary? Chris has to pee so bad. Oh, do you? Good night. All right, guys, I've got a fantastic guest this week. Uh, I'm Matthew B. Cox, author, uh, a, a prolific confidence man. Uh, and as we just said uh, right before the, we started recording, uh, narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> prolific narcissist, prolific com. But uh, if people don't know your work, you, you've written at this point, what, eight books? Is it seven or eight books? Yeah. Um, and they and, and like 20 synopses, like 20 short stories, kind of like almost like a script, but it's not a script. It's like a long form synopsis, like a, a, a like an article you would read in a, in a book or in a magazine. Yeah. And anybody can find those inside truecrime.com is a website, right? Right. Okay. So you can find those there. And it's like you, so you wrote a lot of these stories. I want to get into the newest book, which is called It's Insanity. But you wrote a lot of these stories. You wrote, you got these stories lined up while you were in prison for mortgage fraud. Yeah. Yeah. So you could also go to, sorry, one more thing. The audio versions of all those stories are on my YouTube channel, which is Matthew Cox and Inside True Crime. Okay, cool. Yeah. No worries. Um, Nobody reads, bro. Nobody. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It, 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 it is. Like, a... I'm so, I'm so sorry. Can I cuss? No. No, yeah, of course. Sorry, I mean I'm so lazy. Like it's like I, I I can't read my own stuff. Like it's it's like I I it's I'll listen. <laughs> some of them will listen to two and three times because somebody else is reading it. Okay. I mean it's just and, and nobody reads. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it is kind of true. I listened to the audio book of It's Insanity yesterday, but I did read. Uh, I read the synopsis that you put together because you uh, wrote a memoir that uh, is the same story as War Dogs. Right. I wrote, I wrote the Ephraim Devaroli is the guy that Jonah Hill plays in the movie. Mm -hmm. I read, I wrote his memoir while I was in prison with him and it was published. It's called once a gun runner, which is mm -hmm. the real story. It's not war dogs. War dogs is like 80% fiction. Like they never, there's just all these things. They never went to Iraq. They never got shot at. They never did. There's none of this stuff's at like, like it's like this completely, they just went completely off the grid. It's like basically that movie consists, the only true part is, hey, guess what? There were two stoner, stoner kids that were selling arms to the U.S. government for the Iraqi uh, security forces and the um, 
um, and the Afghani security forces. Other than that, it's complete fiction. Well, which is which is ridiculous because that's an interesting story. Right. Well, the, if you if you read the like the book is amazing. Like you, mm-hmm. what this guy did is so over the top compared to the way they portray him in the movie. Oh, what do you mean? Like what? I actually haven't gotten a chance to check that book out yet. So what do you? So what do you mean? What is the difference? Like you know, on like what he pulled off. Um, I mean, just getting those contracts, like, like everybody's like, oh, wow, he stumbled into getting like a $300 million contract. Well, wait a second. He had a $51 million contract before that. Mm. Completely complete. He had multiple two and $3 million contracts, $10 million contracts. So he'd been doing this for, it wasn't that long. It was a few, it was since he was 17 years old. Wow. 17, he'd been doing this. He was worth millions of dollars before Pacquiao's even came along. That's crazy. I didn't, I didn't even realize he had been doing that. that. <sighs> so you know, he, he did, you know, it's mm. funny. This is the, he, did you ever see the movie, the Lord of war? Yeah. I actually have a weird problem with that movie is that I'm a Brooklyn guy and uh, no one has a Russian accent and it infuriates me. Okay. <laughs> well, he, so basically remember how he keeps going over to uh, um, the, uh, the old Soviet bloc countries, um, mm. you know, uh, um, shoot, you know, uh, whatever, uh, uh Albania and Chechnya and yeah 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 you know uh so that's what that's what Devaroli was doing he's going over there negotiating with these these former Soviet Union uh countries and he's negotiating with them to buy up their armaments that's what he's so it's more of a lord of war uh, mm. story than it is this stoner version story where they're in a, they're in Iraq they're be, they're driving you know shipments in it none of that happened but it is very much a lore of war story mm. but I mean yeah, which, which again is an interesting because the idea was they were just buying these arms that these guys had and then selling it to the U.S. to give to Iraqi forces right it, right right uh, Afghani the, the 300 million dollar contract was for the Afghan security forces mm-hmm. with um, which was all uh, munitions, by the way. But the $51 million contract he had was for like AK-47s and stuff for the Afghani security forces. Mm. Afghani, I'm sorry, for the Iraqi security forces. So he both wars, he's supporting our allies on both sides of the war. Okay. But he never went to, he never went to Iraq. He never went to Afghanistan. That's funny. So he was just doing that all. He was just going to the Eastern Bloc countries, taking their arms and selling it to the U.S. government, who was then shipping it back to Iraq and Afghanistan. Right. And he has super amazing stories about that. It's like, why not go with that? Yeah, especially because uh, Eastern Europeans are terrifying. Like, they're just as scary as Arab guys. I, I Listen, I love you – know, anyway, you'd have to talk to Devarol. He's hilarious about yeah. the, the Eastern European women and this. He's like, oh, God, they're vicious, bro. They're vicious. Just, you know, as far as like, it's all about money. Like everything mm. is a transaction. Everything's transactional, which of course he loves. Yeah. I mean, well, like, look, once you're at that, once you're at that point, you got to love that. I mean, once you, once you're making, when you have $51 million contract with the US government, you're going to enjoy right. the transactional nature of that. But so you met a lot of these guys. It, you were in, you were the Secret Service's number one most wanted criminal at a point. And that's, so you ended up in prison with, the guys who did the most insane things. And this is why I want to talk about, uh, you, you, you have this great book about Frank Amadeo, who it's called In- It's Insanity. And anybody should go check this out because it is the most absolutely batshit story. I, it, it reads like a comic book. 
yeah, it's 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 he's 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 crazy. I mean, cr- crazy brilliant in a you know in a James Bond Spectre kind of way. Well, he got years off. He was getting years off tons of prisoner sentences. And the reason why you started to believe him is because he got so much time off your sentence, correct? Yeah, that, that's definitely definitely one of the things is that, you know, like you had said, like, do you believe all the stuff? Well, first of all, I, I had access to all of his, um, his discovery. So I've read all of the, tra- uh, the transcripts of his sentencing and, mm-hmm. and then the hearings and all these other things uh, of his competency uh, hearings. And so it's like, do you believe that he was meeting with President Bush? Well, even if I didn't have the photos, yeah. when you hear the judge talking about it, you're like, well, the judge is talking about how he used to meet with President Bush. And the judge is talking about how he, you know, the judge, and the U.S. attorney are talking about how they're, um, uh, how he, he, tr- he plotted to take over the Congo. Um, there's newspaper articles about his, the, the attempted coup in uh, Tajikistan or something. I mean, it's just, it's just insane. Like, you, you're like that. He's trying to buy airplanes, trying to buy like used F-15s and F-16s. You're going how is this possible? Like, I can't, the things that are so insane that you're like, I can't believe this, I can prove. But the minor things, little things that you're like, does that seem plausible? And he's in jail, not for any of, he's in jail for financial crimes. He's in jail because he stole, because he stole nearly $200 million from the federal government and was using it to fund the purchase of of used F-15s and F-16s and to fund a military that was trying to basically take over parts of Africa. So, I mean, for just a backstory for listeners is this guy, Frank Amadeo, he started off as a lawyer. He gets disbarred. He starts, um, he basically was like, when you hear of like a corporate chop shop, right? He would acquire companies and break them down. And he was making millions and millions of dollars doing this and then leveraging the debt they had against the IRS saying that he paid them back in like stock and different ways so that he had hundreds of millions of dollars in debt and he was defrauding them hundreds of millions of dollars, everything like you said. But it was all because he somehow believed that he can use a, he could do a corporate takeover of the planet earth. Like he firmly believed that he would be emperor of the entire planet. Right. Yeah. As insane as that sounds, like that's probably a, a very succinct version um, or, or expl- explanation, explanation of what he was doing. For, for instance, so he, he's a lawyer, but mm-hmm. since he was in his teenage years, he has been hearing the voice of God telling him he is preordained to be emperor of the world, which I love. Who says emperor of the world? Not ruler, but he's emperor of the world. And, and yet he went on to get, and he's been talking about it since he was a kid. Like I, I've read the reports, the psychiatrist reports, which talk about how, um, how his family members and stuff have said that, oh, no, no, he's been, he's been talking about this since he was a teenager, or, or, or since he's 13, 14 years old. He's been talking mm-hmm. about how he's t- going to take over the world. Then he ends up graduating high school, college, gets his law degree, and then become, starts, becomes a, um, a lawyer, which his specialty was tax law. And then he starts taking companies that are failing and he's either breaking them apart and selling, uh, selling them off or he's buying them and then negotiating with their creditors to make them a viable, productive company again. And of course, most of, a lot of these companies, what he would do is he would withhold the payroll taxes that go to the IRS. Mm. And then he'd, just like you said, he'd use that money 
to leverage his, the debt, the, the owed debt to the IRS and say, look, we'll pay you this much of the money we owe you on a payment plan. And then he'd take that money and use that money to buy other companies or fix the companies currently with to make it make it profitable. And as a result, he ended up owning something like 80 companies or something. And this is a guy who was so he was so good at it. I mean, there's a passage in the book where you're talking about he had a merger meeting and he's wearing a Darth Vader helmet doing the breathing this the whole good. time. And nobody said anything because they knew he was good at his job. Well, I think this because they knew he was just insane, bro. I mean, these are people <laughs> like if you're if you're my accountant, I'm paying you 300,000 a year, 200,000 a year. And I've got I'm paying everybody these astronomical um, salaries and I walk in and sit down and start conducting a meeting. And they also know he's explosive. Like he'll explode into rages and mm. yell, scream and fire people and then hire him back two days later. And so, you know, he's, he's, you don't know what he's going to do. So he walks in in this Darth Vader helmet in one scene in that book, sits down and conducts the entire meeting. Nobody says shit, but here's the thing. So I had heard about that while I was in prison and I had heard it through the grapevine that he had done that. And then I, so, and I remember that's one of those little things that I was like, come on, bro. That's insane. That didn't happen. But I, then I'm reading his transcripts and one of the people gets on the stand that used to work for him. And she explains how, yeah, I mean, he's crazy. At one point he actually came in with a Darth Vader mask. He used to wear it. She said he used to wear it around the, uh, around the office. But wasn't this, this is the same woman who, uh, she was the one who almost sunk him, right? Because uh, she wouldn't admit he was. She worked for a crazy person. Right, right, exactly. Remember, I, I interviewed that CIA guy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, what, what are these people going to do? They're going to say I knowingly work for someone who's walking around talking about how he's going to ultimately take over the world. They can't do that. <laughs> they, they're going to be like, I had never heard anything about that. I never heard him say that. Some other people said it. I mean, you you saw the you read you know, the book. I mean, I got multiple interviews with people. They were like, yeah, he did. He talked about it all the time. You know. You got other people, you got one other guy that's going, nah, listen, it was so bad. His, his bipolar disorder was so radical or so, you know, so sporadic up and down that they actually hired a full-time psychiatrist to be on staff and gave him an office to be there just to keep an eye on him. Just in case he went off. Just to, yeah, try and talk and, him down. And he's making enough money for everybody. And like, this is a guy who orchestrated essentially two coups right like like actual coups oh yeah definitely the one in the congo there's a there's a on my channel there's a um a documentary about it it's called nine days in the congo and you know like 32 guys got arrested he you know uh the guy running his security force was a ex was he uh his name's kevin billings he's ex um secret service Mm -hmm. Uh, plus they had another guy They, they had all these security experts but like 32 of his guys got hell they got grabbed and held for nine days, and they eventually convinced them to let him go. And you know, so it's it's. Super and Frank's rough. on house arrest now. He's on house arrest. He's not even still locked up, correct? Yeah, he's he got himself released on house arrest. Nine years house arrest. So it did like nine years. Now he's on nine years house arrest. And um, yeah, that's it. That's. I mean, it's crazy. So he can't. Obviously, you can't. You say at the end of the book you'd like to talk to him, but you can't because you're not allowed to talk to convicted felons. Yeah, I would. What I would, I probably could do is, I could probably, um, I'm sure if I talk to my, that's gonna be a deny. Um, uh, I, I'm sure if I contacted my probation officer and ex- explained the whole situation and said, look, you know, this is what's going on. 
I need to talk to him. I wrote a book about the guy. She let me, but you know, I, there's no real reason other than uh, there's no real reason for me to talk to him. Like if, other than to say what, Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? There's just no reason to. So mm-hmm. I ask for very little from probation because you don't want to be the guy that's constantly calling to ask. Cause pretty soon they just start denying every request you make. I see. Well, that makes sense. I mean, look, as, as a podcaster, I mean, you tell me, I, I don't know what the benefit of talking to this guy is. And I'm just like, this is, it's, you gotta have, you got five hours of content. I'm yeah, sure he'd just yeah. go off. Oh, he, oh, he's, he's, he's amazing. He's amazing. You are. Yeah. All right. I'll, well, I'll probably ask you for his contact info. I'll, I'll shoot him a text. Um, but I want to get into actually the way you, you got jammed up. You were a mortgage broker, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you, so this is around you, it was you built them out of how much? Fifteen million dollars over the course of time, over the yeah, course of I mean, a few they, years. Like the mortgage, it depends on if you include the mortgage company stuff, which they didn't. Uh, they didn't include. There's like forty million in in fraudulent mortgages in the mortgage company. But then I personally, they talked them down to about fifteen million that I mm. personally responsible for, and there's six million dollars uh, that I still owe. And just to be clear, this is you just robbed banks essentially. Yeah, it was just bank fraud. It was bank fraud. Yeah, so you did, you committed, but the way you did it was you were a broker and you would just kind of fudge papers, realized it was easy, and then you started taking out. Then I started, uh, started making synthetic identities. I started creating people that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I started a scheme where I raised the value in an area outside Tampa called Ybor City. I raised the, the property value from 100000 to $250,000. And I bought uh, the... The, the FBI said 109 houses. I don't think it was that much, but they exaggerate. But mm. so what I did was I started buying houses in the names of fake people, synthetic identities, and mm-hmm. then I would finance the house. So I buy a house for 40,000, record the value at 200. Then I go to the bank and have them lend this guy money on this house for $180,000, let's say. And so I bought it for 40. I put 10 in it to clean it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I pull out a hundred and what, 130,000, 130, 120,000 after some closing costs and all the other fees. So basically make around a hundred, 120,000 per, you know, per loan or per house. And I did roughly five or six houses in each person's name. So it was roughly each guy was worth about a million dollars. But this was at a time when like, so this is during the subprime mortgage, like it was building to the subprime mortgage crisis, yes. correct? Yes. Well, it's an interesting thing because you were building the fake identities. I want to talk about the subprime thing in a second, but a lot of people don't realize, I I don't know if it still is this easy, but I knew a guy that he said he stopped doing this after 9-11 because it felt, it it was nerve wracking to him to do it after that. But his entire job was he would find the social security number. He would go to a hall of records in like a small town where there was a stillbirth, get a social security guard for a stillbirth child who was like, who's born, issued a social security number, birth certificate, and then passed away within a day or so. And he would build an identity around that and just max out credit cards. That was his entire job. Um, because this was also when you could get a credit card for nothing. So it was like probably a lower level version of what you were doing. But I think people don't realize like it was, it's just, it was very easy to do that at a point. Is it still, do you think it's still that easy? No, it's, it's still easy. Still to build a complete fake identity. Absolutely. Uh, they, they, a lot of guys do it now. They call them like a CPNs and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll say, Oh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing CPNs and they'll try and tell you it's legal. And you know, it's illegal. I mean, you're telling you're, you're applying for loans and credit cards in the name of people that don't exist. 
And it's still, they've never closed the loophole. Like I know you've done a lot of work with, to get time off your sentence with some of these mortgage guys to kind of identify this and it just hasn't helped. Right. Well, no, I mean, you have to think that the credit, okay. So you would have to get social security, social security right now, like quarterly, they, they let the credit bureaus know, Hey, here's, here is a batch of social security numbers that were issued. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they don't tell them any particulars. They don't tell them a date of birth or a name or anything like that. So all they know is, okay, these were issued within the last year. These were mm-hmm. issued in the last, these were issued. So if I go in, I take one of those credit, those, those, those um, social security numbers, which of course are primarily issued to children. So mm-hmm. then, like, I, and that's what I did. Like I would make, I would go to social security and I'd get them to issue me a social security number for a 10 month old child that doesn't even exist. Then I'd apply for credit cards. Well, the credit bureaus don't have any idea what the date of birth is. Mm. So I'm saying, Hey, this is my name. Here's my date of birth. And here's my, here's my, uh, here's my social. Well, if nobody else is using that, then they have no conflicting information on that social security number. So they create a credit profile saying, hey, this guy was born July 7th, 1970. Mm-hmm. And this is his social, And this is his date of birth. And this, I mean, this is his, you know, I'm sorry, this is his a- address. And this is his name. All they know is that social security number was issued. They don't know who to who. They don't know what their date of birth is. So they, it could be anybody. It could be a, an immigrant comes over mm-hmm. and becomes a citizen. It could be somebody gets their... Social security number change. Names change all the time. People get name changes. People get married. There's all kinds of reasons. So that's there's like, ah, it's too much hassle to even use all that information. Mm. It's, a, it's a little tiny loophole that allows you to kind of get your way in there, create your own credit profile, provided nobody's using that social, and then apply for a bunch of secured credit cards. You get the secured credit cards. And six months later, you've got credit scores. Now I can get regular credit. Yeah, because all you need for a secured credit card is five hundred dollars, right? Right, right. Some places go to Capital One or whatever. Yeah, some places do them cheaper. Mm. No, that's. I mean, I I know that's the first place I had to get a credit card was Capital One, and it really they didn't ask anything. They were just like, "This is your name," and then here's five hundred bucks, and then they'll just give you whatever a thousand dollar credit limit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You typically what you typically is what you put up. Look, it, I got to the I got to the uh, cre- to the um, halfway house with no credit. Like mm-hmm. I hadn't used my credit in over 15 years. Mm-hmm. Pulled my credit, nothing. And well, I, obviously, because you're in prison. I've been in prison. I've been on the run for three years and I was in prison for, for 12 and a half years. So mm-hmm. when I pulled my credit, boom, I got nothing. So I turned around, I got three secure credit cards. I made the payments. By the time I walked out of the halfway house, I had 750 credit scores. That's great. Um, so yeah, so what I wanted to ask you about was the, uh, so yeah, so you're doing this during uh, the buildup to what became known as the mortgage crisis, the great recession or whatever, was it easier then? Or could you like, could this happen again? Could somebody do what you did again? No problem. Yeah. It's, it's so, easier now than it was then. So say, go ahead. So they closed, no, they closed nothing after all that, uh, but, that whole shit show. But I mean, you know, they didn't close anything like as a result of me because I didn't cost them anything. I cost a bunch mm-hmm. of banks some money. So what? You know, nobody cares. The banks aren't, the banks are like, what are we going to do? We're going to spend tens of millions of dollars to try and fix some, some loophole that doesn't really affect us. They've already built in fraud. The actuaries already assume there's going to be a certain amount of fraud and they've included it when they calculate your interest rate. Mm. So they already know there's a certain amount of fraud. It doesn't cost the government anything. Government didn't cost them anything. So like, like you could try and close, try and fix public records, but why would you, 
fix who would fix public records? Why would the government spend millions of dollars, shoot, hundreds of millions of dollars to try and fix public records throughout the entire United States when it didn't cost them a dime? Yeah, that's that's a good point. And and nobody it's really an un it's an unsellable thing because like they I whatever, I read some articles about you and they would try to paint you as this uh this bad per- because they would use like oh he even used the credit co- the social security number of a toddler and this and that but it's like if you actually have any reading comprehension you just go this guy's just robbing banks who gives right. a shit like if you're just like if you're a guy like me or just a guy on the street you go yeah fuck the banks so it's not a sexy it's not a sexy policy right yeah yeah and and I always love that the 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 toddler thing okay I went to I would manufacture a false birth certificate Mm-hmm. I would manufacture a false shot record. I would mm-hmm. go into the social security office and I would say, Hey, my, my 10 month old daughter was born without at home with a midwife. Here's my, her shot record. Here's her birth certificate. Can you get me a social security card issued? And they would say, yes, we can. They would play with the computer for a little bit, come back and say, you'll have it in 10 days. And 10 days later, I would have a, a social security card with my daughter's social security number on it, then I'd register, then, I, then I'd, um, I'd go ahead and, and apply for all the credit cards. So it's like when they would say- oh, so it wasn't even a real toddler. If you were driving a Honda instead of an Audi, you'd basically be fucking Robin Hood. Right, right, yeah, yeah, if I guess, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. But uh, I just, this is a weird thing. So you're in the mortgage industry, now you have people coming in and you guys were just, at the time, it was easy to get a. It was easier to get a mortgage than it is now. Somebody's trying to get a mortgage right now, and like I'm just curious. And this is something I talked to you about when we talked on the phone. Is at the time everybody? I remember a, a 20 year old mortgage broker. I'm 21, telling me I can get you a mortgage. I'm like, I'm selling weed in a one bedroom apartment that I live in with my dad. You can get me a mortgage on a building, and he was like, Yep, no problem. And this is how I feel about people trying to make money in crypto and the market today. Like, is there, is it the same level of like, in, it, when you see it, you, like there's no reason to lend this person that money. Yeah. yeah. How does this work? Like their fraud has to be involved. Just- yeah. That's what I figured at the time. Well, I remember they were telling me, they were like, they go to me, they go, well, yeah, it's a, it's an adjustable rate mortgage. I was like, well, what does it adjust to? They were like, we don't know. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't, I can't just take this loan out. <laughs> but I think that's like people doing people are doing that with margin calls on Robinhood. They don't know that they're gonna get they could get fucked on that, right? Yeah. You do you just you just see it as another. Uh, this is like as somebody who's observed this, watched it happen. Do you kind of see this like retail investment bubble as a similar bubble to the mortgage bubble at the time? Oh, it's yeah. I I, I everybody's like, what do you think is going to happen in the market? I'm like, you can't you can't have a half the country out of work, continue to give them money have the real estate market prices shooting through the roof and continue to give them, loan them money and think that that it's not going to be an issue at some point. I mean, oh, you know, you're saying that it, it's even affecting the housing. Well, I've actually noticed, the yeah, house, the cost of rental properties is going through the roof. It's insane down here. Houses that we're selling for 100,000 are selling for 190, 200, 230. People, I, got, I know realtors that are saying, literally I'll put a house on the market and get five, uh, five Five contracts on the house above what we're asking for it. Oh, because you're in Florida, right? Yeah. So in Florida, I mean, obviously, everybody who doesn't want to deal with whatever just happened, as like I was just down in uh, Tampa a couple yeah, of months back. Yeah, I'm in Tampa. Yeah, I was just I was just down there, and you could see, and like I talked to some people about the real estate down there, and they were just like, it's insane. 
Like it it's, it's anything by the water because everybody who's scared that this is going to happen again, but doesn't, isn't scared of COVID just is scared of the repercussions on finance is just yeah. moving to Florida, just flooding into Florida and Texas, but even more so Florida because they're even saying they don't want COVID passports. DeSantis is playing ball with everybody. What do you mean COVID passports? Oh, do you not do you not know about this? Oh, that they're saying you have to get a, a, a test to what? What's a what's a COVID passport? So they're trying to create a digital passport where you have to like a vaccine passport. So it's an it would be an app run by some tech company that the government would have your record that you got a vaccine, your name, and connect everything. It's just a it's a national registry, which is unconstitutional. And Rob DeSantis was like, "You'll never need one of those to come to Florida." He just got to, like it's not even a thing yet, and Rob DeSantis already like wrote the law. Sorry, we will to come to Florida. We're yeah, we're, yeah, we're just yeah. no masks, whatever. Like, I went to. Um, oh, where did you say? Where are you? I'm in Brooklyn. Okay, sorry. Okay, so um, so I have you been to California lately? No, I've been to California, and I know I talked to my buddy in San Francisco, and he's just like, it is not good. No, it, it's listen. The homeless population in LA. And San Francisco, because I've been both of to both those places last year, it's it's insane. I mean, I've never seen any. And this was well, one of them was prior to COVID. So mm-hmm. San Francisco was prior to COVID, yeah. and LA was after COVID. And it was just they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're shitting on the fucking sidewalk. They're pissing in the street. They're, they've got they give them little tents. They're 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 you're walking down the street and there's like six of them with little tents or there's three hundred of them over in this area. There's a thousand of them here. They're 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 walking up. They're robbing places. They 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 basically a guy told me basically unless they steal over five hundred bucks they don't prosecute them. They'll arrest them, take them downtown, take their picture and release them. Mm. And so basically there's tons of businesses that have just been run out because the homeless will walk in. The only big, only major chains are even still around in, in LA because they can sustain, they can hire, they can afford to hire a, a security guard. Mm. Mom and pop places are just completely run out, and, and it's ridiculous. But what I was saying is, somebody was like, you know, well, what's it like in Tampa? I said, in, in Tampa, I said, you can drive through Tampa and you barely see any homeless. You're yeah, it's true. It's beautiful. This you might see, you might drive around Tampa and see twenty or thirty guys compared to seeing two thousand guys. And, and I, I sat there and they were like, they go, really? I said, listen, you don't understand how many hunters there are. Do you understand? I said, they was it, it Florida's like, a, a, a there's a ton of like hardcore conservative hunters. They would convince the governor, to let them tag these guys and have hunting season <laughs> down here. So they would never put up with it. Well, it's like all those guys who live in boats by the VA down there. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen that? I know guys that I know I got a buddy who's lived on boats for years and, and, and the cops will come and try and get rid of him and try and move him and try and, and he fuck fights with them and argues and moves the boat here. I mean, they're trying to, it's like, I'm not breaking the law. Doesn't matter. We don't want you here. Oh, they'll still do that to those guys. I know. Cause I just know I, I saw a bunch of the, like the small boats where it's like essentially homeless guys just live on these boats so they could be near the Viet. Yeah. Well, and they'll, they'll hassle them. You know, so they'll hassle them constantly. It just depends on, on how determined they are to stay in that area. Look, the cops mm-hmm. will basically chase away homeless people. Like there's, there's very, very little support for homeless people here. There's tons in LA. Mm. I mean, I would, but you'd imagine the weather would just obviously live outside 20 all year round. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing is like, did you ever see those videos? Why all these people are leaving LA? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've heard of a lot of the reasons. Just like that, people just don't trust the government of California anymore. Well, and and your charge, so your charge, so you, I'm living in a three million dollar condo. I'm getting charged. I'm getting hit on my federal income tax, 20, 30%. And then the California is coming in and hit me for another 10 or 15%. And then I've got homeless people taking a shit outside my house and you call the cops and they can't do anything. And, and so you're giving away my money. You're giving, you're providing all these, you're bringing them in. Yeah. And you're asking me to pay 50% of everything I make over to you so that you can create an environment where I can't walk my child down the sidewalk because people are shooting up. Well, I mean, even beyond that, my buddy, I mean, just talking about years ago, the same guy I was talking about at San Francisco. I remember him telling me, he goes, he goes, it's so expensive and so ridiculous here that I'm bussing my own tables. He's like, it's literally the homeless and the wealthy. Cause he's yeah. like a, you know, he's a tech guy. So he's just like, he's like, he's like, these people have priced themselves out. They can't build up. So housing is so expensive. He's like, no waiters can afford to live there. He's like, I'm bussing my own table when I paid $80 for dinner. Yeah. I, I know a guy that was lived, lived in his car for like a month and a half. Probably doing well. It's, it, it, it is an insane, it's an insane thing that's happening out and there. He had a job. By the way, had a full-time job. You have a full-time job, you know, but you can't afford to live there. So you're making like $22 an hour and you're in between places and you basically have to live in your car for a month and a half just to save up enough to get into another place. That basically is just a tiny little efficiency shithole. Yeah, and yeah. If you make 20, listen, you make 22 bucks an hour here. Oh yeah, that's so a nice one bedroom. Have a car. You get in. You have insurance. I mean, you can afford almost everything. It's ridiculous. Well, that's what a lot of people don't realize is like you see the the uh, the minimum wage debate comes up over and over and over again. And I'm like, in upstate New York, for fifteen dollars an hour, you you're fine. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like 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 because I'll talk to people that I live around and they're like, who can live on fifteen dollars an hour? I'm like, go to Western New York. You can rent an apartment. You can have a car. You can have a two bedroom apartment for you know four hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, I don't know why here you're not going to get that, but yeah, but, but still the, the point is, is, is that you really, honestly, I mean, you should be, I understand you're making minimum wage that sucks yeah. and you're not going to live well, but you should be able to afford to be able to live on minimum wage. That's so true. Whatever that, you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, this is the minimum. Now I'm not saying you get all these perks. You don't, maybe you don't necessarily get to drive a brand new car and have all this, uh, you know, special stuff, but you should be able to, feed yourself and pay your your rent and electric and have enough to get transportation back for the work I mean, that should be that seems just reasonable no yeah no I, I i completely agree it's just sometimes you might just have to move you know what i mean there's nothing wrong with a 16 year old making 15 dollars an hour in new york city either yeah, you're yeah. living at home with your parents yeah all right that's fine like i i, I always paid when i run businesses i always paid more than the minimum wage because you should but I'm just saying is like, whenever it comes up, it's like, I don't think, I think people get into this mindset of just where they are and they don't realize other, like you said, $22 an hour in Tampa is not $22 an hour in New York city. It's oh, not no. $22 yeah, an hour for LA. Yeah. 22 bucks an hour in LA. You're still, you're still, you're living in your car yeah. or you're renting a room. <sighs> it's, it's just amazing. The fluctuation. Yeah. Well, well, to get back onto You're just some of this topic. Yeah. To get back, back onto some of this stuff, I got to actually ask you, so you, you're locked up and you start accumulating these stories. At what point do you want to start writing them down? And do you know, cause like, um, even in, like in your books, you even talk about like the plan was always, you start the website and you kind of start the rights to these stories and then licensing them out for film and stuff. But like, where did you, 
come up with that from where you started? Like what made you want to go into that field? Well, well, one, because the, the, I, I knew I had to figure out how to do something, you know, when I got out, because the, the judge was very clear that I couldn't commit bank fraud anymore. He was very clear on that subject. Um, so, you know, so fraud's not an issue or fraud's not an option anymore. So mm-hmm. I got to do something. And of course, what kind of a con man would I be if I didn't see the opportunity in, in being surrounded by guys with great stories? You know, and what can I do with these stories? Well, so once I wrote my memoir and then I wrote Devaroli's story, and then I started writing other guys' stories, like guys are coming up to me, saying, you got to write my story, you got to write my story. And I was like, yeah, you don't really have a story. Like you have a good story, but you have no publicity. You know, because mm. they're all like, you wrote Devaroli's story. Yeah, but he had a ton of publicity. He had a very unique story. And you've got an okay story, but you have no publicity. Mm. And, and, and so what happened was there was a guy named Doug Dodd. And I went, you know, if I could get you into like Rolling Stone or, GQ or something like a true crime article about you. Well, you think you could do that? And I was like, let me, you know, I'm not going to write your book. I'm going to write a synopsis. I'll write a small, like a, an article and I'll send it out and see what happens. Mm-hmm. What did I send it out? And I got a bunch of reporters that came back and said, absolutely. I'm interested. One guy said, I can do it right away. Cause it's down to him and like three other guys. He was the guy that said, I could do it right away. Okay. I said, okay. So then he basically took my art, my story, rewrote it a little bit. Mm-hmm. went to Rolling Stone and put it in Rolling Stone magazine. Now there was an issue there because we were actually supposed to share t- the title, like, like as writers in the last minute he took, they took my name off it. Okay. Really infuriated me. They mentioned me in the article, like, Hey, this guy sent us the information. Like, like that was okay. That's not, mm-hmm. okay. No. but so, but then we ended up optioning the story. So when we optioned the story, they sold the option for the film rights for the story and I got a, a piece of that. Like I thought, okay, so this, this is a thing. Like I mm-hmm. can write stories and they'll, people will buy them. So I started looking into it and doing some research and I realized, Hey, guess what? That's a thing. Like there are guys that write stories and then option the film rights for those stories. Sometimes they turn into actual movies. Most of the time they don't. There's mm-hmm. probably a thousand options sold for every one movie made in Hollywood. But you but, get a renewal on the option every few years anyway, right? They've, they've, they've listened three times. I keep getting checks from these. Really? People. Right. I mean, think about it. If you've spent 150 or 200 or $300,000 on different options, because mm-hmm. you think you can make the movie, do you just at one point say, hey, we've got, we hired a screenwriter. We hired this. We did this. We, we've optioned it three times. We've got 300, $400,000 into it. You know what? Ah, forget it and just drop it. No, you keep mm-hmm. trying. So they keep paying the option again. That gives mm-hmm. them another 18 months. Well, so I start optioning stories, right? So I, um, and then I start, then at some point, then I actually turn that story into a book okay. called Gen- Generation Oxy. And, um, and I got an advance from the, uh, the, the publisher and I actually, you know, they put in Barnes and Nobles and everything. And so then I started writing, I, I started, I wrote another guy's book and then I wrote another guy's book. Uh, and at some point I, I started writing uh, towards the end when I, I realized, oh God, I'm going to be getting out of here, prison here soon. I started lining up guys and just writing synopses, like just a mm. short version of the story of your story, which is basically still more than more than a screenplay. Mm-hmm. I knew a screen. I knew you could take this story and turn it into a screenplay very easily. You don't need if you write a book, that's about 10 hours of screen time. OK, so that means they have to scale it down to two hours of screen time. So, so you're basically writing treatments, like long treatments. Absolutely. So I started going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to scale this thing down to the highlights and just write the highlights. 
And, and that's what I did. So listen, some of these guys, you read the, the synopses are great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. So I started doing that. And then eventually, you know, I got out of, out of prison. And when I got out of prison, I had written a bunch of stories. So I put up those, those books on Amazon. You know, it's frustrating to deal with publishers, mainstream mm-hmm. publishers. So I just said, I'm just going to put these things, slowly put these things up on Amazon. And then I did my website. And then I did the, uh, the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And I've already had a sizzle reel done. A sizzle reel is what they do before they make like a documentary or a movie or something. They do that to get funding. So I've already had a sizzle reel. One of my stories has already had a sizzle reel done. Okay. And it's about to be pitched to a bunch of different production companies. I have another one that's being done. I'm meeting with a guy tomorrow to talk about two more stories, getting those two, getting two store sizzle reels done. Um, I've talked to a bunch of producers and stuff like that, you know, and, and maybe something happened, but maybe. And these are all stories you've, you, you accumulate, you haven't acquired anything new since you've been released. It's just all the stuff you acquired while you were locked up with these guys. Um, I actually have about three stories that I started and that I wanted to do something with, but I couldn't because for some one reason or another, the actual subjects of the stories move to different prisons or or in another prison and I couldn't talk to him. Like I'd I'd heard the guy's story. Like I'm locked up with a guy like his co-defendant. Okay. Tells me the whole story and you're like, this is insane. Or I'm talking to a guy who was friends with this guy for like three or four years and he tells me the story. And I'm like, when I get out, I got to contact that guy. I I, got to do the research. Matter of fact, I have one of those stories that I've been trying to order um, the, uh, I've got the docket sheet, but I've been trying to order like transcripts and things on that story, but they like shut down that you can't get it because of COVID. They like shut down the clerk's office in California. Of course, California mm. here, you could probably, yeah. probably still open. They could care less if you get sick. Um, COVID in, in California, they locked up all the doors. Mm. So, but once I get that guy's information, I'm going to write that entire story. I have an outline. It's a pretty amazing story. This is an interesting thing I was thinking about. Um, so you get the first option, right? You're still in prison, which I mean, in and of itself is kind of an amazing thing because you're not supposed to be conducting any business in prison, right? Well, yeah, except for there's the only exception to that rule is uh, writing stories. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't know that. I know because I've heard other stories of people like, uh, you know, rappers get their calls taken away or whatever. They took away um, – you remember uh, the guy shot somebody with Puffy in the 90s, Shine? Right. Okay. He's, he recorded an entire album over the phone in prison, and right. they took then, – then he was never allowed to make phone calls again. Well, okay, that's different. He's – I mean, yes, because he embarrassed them, but mm. um, as far as – but, like, they could – like, I was going to say that should all, – all of this falls under um, freedom of speech. Okay. So, you know, it's like they can't stop him. I was going to say, you can't stop him from doing from doing that. You know, I mean, you can't that's because to me that falls under freedom of speech. And it's the same thing that that same. Sorry, I don't know if you can still hear me. Same, yeah, I got you. Same thing uh, that writing stories or books and things. It all falls under like newspaper articles or anything. It falls under freedom of speech. There's I would problems. just think the negotiating of the contracts would be the issue. Well, you would think that that could be an issue because technically a an inmate cannot sign um, or cannot enter into a contract while incarcerated, supposedly, but that's really more of a BOP rule, a Bureau of Prisons rule, and mm. not 
really anything that's enforced outside that. Because think about it. If I have a piece of real estate that I want to sell and I'm incarcerated and my wife wants to sell the house and I have to sign it, I have to sign the, the I'm, I'm on title. Can I mm -hmm. sign it? No, the warden has to sign up. Stop it. It's not true. You know, okay. there's all these little, if you want to hire an attorney, you have to sign a contract, don't you? Oh yeah, oh, that's true. That's different because, you know, it's not different. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's that gray area. Where Which they, you can really manipulate this. Well, not manipulate because the, the system is fucked. And I want to ask you a little bit about that later with the art, with the book you wrote about RDAP. Cause I'm very curious about some of the good, right? programming with it. Yeah. It's, Dude, I mean, whatever. I had my skepticism about twelve-step uh, programs already, and then you, I read, I read this thing where it's just like they're just like, oh yeah, it's just it's the drug program for prisoners, but they just snitch on. It's just programming them to snitch on each other, and then they told you to stop writing books. Oh yeah, yeah, she, yeah, my. That uh, made me so angry. <sighs> it, I, and when she told, when the doctor said that, I always when she was like, she, she didn't say stop writing. She basically said, she said you're wasting your time. You're wasting. So I'm writing stories about other inmates and I plan on getting out and selling these as options and trying to get them turned into documentaries and films. And, the, and she told me I was wasting my time. Like, why? Why would you say that? Like, like you know, I, I think in, in somehow or another, I guess maybe it's like, listen, every every guy in there, you know, every black guy in there wants to get out and be a rapper. Mm -hmm. And so they try and dissuade you. They're like, look, it's a tough industry. They're, they're trying to make your your goals be more reasonable, like, you know, get a job at FedEx and you can move up and it's a good company and, mm -hmm. and be reasonable. Don't get because they're afraid that, hey, you know what he's going to do? He's going to go sell drugs, trying to make this rap thing go. And if it doesn't go, he's going to end up back in prison. So let's try and dissuade people from doing these crazy ideas. But the truth is, it's like at, by the time she, I'm talking to her and I'm in the drug program, it's like I've already written multiple books. I have books right now. If you go into Barnes and Nobles, you can get my book. Like, I'm not yeah. delusional, lady. I've already optioned stories. Like, you know, you're saying, Matt, come on. You think you're going to get a movie made? It's like, I just sold an option. They just renewed it. They just sent me another check. This isn't delusion. New Line Cinema didn't option one of my stories because I'm delusional. Mm. So you see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what can you say? And they, they, they talk to you like you're a dog. And, and you're just like, okay, yeah, I know. I understand. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And you're getting time off your sentence for it, right? So you kind of just go with it. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. your situation was a little bit different. The average person would kibosh. Yeah, I'm not getting any time off my sentence. I wasn't getting a time off my sentence because I was never intended. I didn't have enough time to do get time off. Mm -hmm. I remember I told her, she's like, don't you want the year off? And I said, you know what? Let's just put that on the shelf. Mm -hmm. We both know there's a possibility I'm coming back. <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck? Don't say that. Well, there's a possibility that anybody's going back. Of course. I mean, there's a great line in that book that you have where you're just like, look, you would steal bread to feed your kids. We all have a line. Mine's just lower than yours. Yeah, we all have a threshold on, on anybody in the right circumstances will commit a crime. Yeah. I mean, would you steal a loaf of bread to feed your children if you were broke and living in your car? Would you do that? You know, of course you would. Okay, well, the difference is, yeah, my threshold is just lower than yours. For me, if I'm just, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm broke. I'm going broke. Mm -hmm. I'm going to commit fraud. Of course, I need the money. My threshold's way lower than yours, granted. But, that, but don't sit here and say, you'll, I would never commit a crime. Well, really? I mean, look, if, if you know anything about how the tax code is written, you know you've committed you, – you would know you've committed crimes by accident. Yeah, yeah. Listen, every, there's a book that's written called A, a Felony a Day. 
Mm -hmm. The guy talks about how every single day people commit felonies. They have no idea. My mom commits them all the time. You know how? Because she takes the medicine that they give her that's keeping her alive Mm -hmm. because she's old and can't really keep everything straight. She removes the pills and puts them into those little things that Mm -hmm. say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. She puts the pills in there together and mixes the pills, takes them out of one receptacle and puts them uh, uh, receptacle and puts them into another one that's not labeled correctly. And guess what? You've committed a felony. Mm. Do they prosecute people for that? Well, no. Doesn't mean you didn't just commit a felony. Like there's many people commit many felonies every day. Have you ever taken your pills out, your prescription pills and stuck them in a bag and to go, you know, and fly across the country? You committed a fraud. Or I'm sorry, you just committed a crime, a felony. I mean, there's all kinds of little tiny things that people commit felonies for every day. Just that, yeah, it's it's the kind of thing where they can't get you. What I actually wanted to, what I was trying to get, we got off track for a second, but so you option the you option the first thing. You 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 now people are starting to know that you're doing this. You wrote your own book. You did uh, Ephraim's book, right? And then more people are starting to come to you. Is there was there ever a story? Now, as somebody, I've known some criminals in my life, and they tend to. Uh, Exactly. Really make them, yeah. May really make themselves look a lot like the heroes of all these stories. When, I mean, let's let's you you were selling selling heroin and you pistol whipped the guy. Calm down, buddy. Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, I, I would say, I mean, that the 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 one I'm thinking about is a bailout. There's a guy named uh, Marcus Shrinker. Okay. And uh, Shrinker, actually, it's funny. This is another guy that like people you would people have heard about this guy. Like they'll, a lot of people, I'd say. Two out of five people I mentioned it to go, oh, yeah. The 2008, during the financial crisis, Shrinker was being investigated for running a Ponzi scheme. And he was a pilot. So he takes his plane out and he calls in a distress signal and says that his windshield has spider cracked. Mm-hmm. My windshield spider cracking. I'm going down. There's turbulence. I'm going down. Ah. And then he goes and he jumps out of the plane thinking that the plane's going to go out over the bay and it's going to, or, you know, or, I'm sorry, and into the Gulf, run out of gas and crash. Well, when he opens the door to the plane and jumps out, it, the drag causes the plane to burn off more fuel than he had anticipated. So it, it actually runs out of fuel and lands a couple miles inland. Mm. And even though the entire thing is completely trashed, the windshield is not spider cracked. So, you know what I'm saying? You, obviously, you're lying. There was no, the windshield didn't implode. It didn't spider crack. It was in perfect condition, even though the, wind, the wings are ripped off and the tail and everything else, for somehow or another, that fucking that windshield's fine. And the door's open and there's a parachute missing. Hmm. So, you know, he thought he was going to be able to, that they would just think his body got washed away. So what happens is uh, they catch him like three days later. Well, that, that, that um, that story was everywhere. This is a guy who faked his own death mm-hmm. in a plane. I mean, it, that's like insane. Like, who who does that? Well, that story's all over the internet. Like, if you punch in his name, it's insane I, how much coverage it was. The problem is nobody ever wrote a book about him because they realized you realize right away when you talk to him, he's a pathological liar. And mm. so he came to me and was and got convinced me to write his book. And as I was writing it, I realized, oh, this guy is a pathological liar. He's lying about everything. He was trying to tell me that he hadn't actually done anything wrong other than jumping out of the plane, that it was his wife that it was commi- that had committed the Ponzi scheme, had stolen the money, and okay. that he only did that 
to try and protect her, figuring, look, if I jump out of the plane and it can blame everything on me and my wife will be fine. Mm-hmm. Now, that was a lie. That's all a blatant lie. But I, I, as I wrote the book, I realized, that, oh, this is all bullshit. This is a lie. Like I pulled, pulled all of his all of his discovery. I, I ran out, did a Freedom of Information Act. I got copies of everything. And I, I'm reading his victim statements. Like nobody gave any money to his wife. Like all these things that he's saying, you know, his, all of his victims are like, he said this, he said that, he said that, you know, he, he knew, he knew, he knew. It was all him, 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 him. Nobody ever mentions his wife. Not once. No, but his wife was di- divorced him while he was in prison and he was furious about it. So, hey, guess what? I can blame my wife now. I'll just blame my wife. That uh, way, when the, I get out and I have, the, I'll have this book that, that completely exonerates me and makes my wife look like a horrible person. And I obviously couldn't do that because when I got into the research, I realized that's not true. But I continued to write the book because I was able to kind of convince him to tell me the truth about what what's about the frauds. And you, for anybody listening that doesn't know, like it's you write these books in this way that's it's, it's very interesting because you almost wrote like you you write uh you write them in a way where it's from your perspective talking to these people about their stories. Yeah, I jump would jump back and forth between the interviews periodically and what's happening in the prison. And I do that with Shrinker's book. Like there were so many guys in, in prison that he was lying to. Like he would tell everybody that like, he used to work for NASA. I mean, the, the, you know, he, he flew more than like 40 sorties in Desert Storm. It's like you were never in the Air Force. What are you talking about? You were never in the military. I mean, you, you, you didn't understand that there would be more drag on the plane when you open the door, stupid. We all know. Right. You're an idiot. What are you doing? First of all, and you stole that from the Simpsons. Yeah, he, 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 and from the Simpsons, the Simpsons may have stole it from him. I, I don't it, think so. There's an episode where Krusty the Clown crashes a plane to fake his own death to get away from tax fraud, and it's in like season five. So it's like 25 years ago. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes they redo stuff. I was like, they may have taken his and done it. That would be hilarious. I mean, it's kind of funnier if he stole it from the Simpsons, <laughs> if you think about it. Like this guy runs this great Ponzi scheme and then he's just like, where have I seen this before? Krusty the clown. <laughs> he, um, yeah, listen, it, it's uh, that would be great. He actually <laughs> told me, um, well, the, the, he, he had read a book he, uh, called the, um, the partner with, by John Grisham and a guy fakes his own death. Oh, okay. That's where he got, that's where he got it. Not even from Machiavelli, not even from Machiavelli. <laughs> What a fucking finance bro to his fucking bones. He's just a thief. Like, is like, is anything you came up with original? Um, but yeah, he. So I wrote his book, and I convinced him to kind of like multiple times. I kind of con him into telling me what really happened. Like, what'd you really do in this situation? What'd you really do? And so he got to the point where we got to the point where he kind of felt like we were kindred spirits because I'm, I'm basically working him the whole time, mm-hmm. you know. And he would start to, he would tell me, I, I'd be like, oh man, I remember one time I did this and this. And he'd be like, that's nothing, bro. One time. And then he'd tell me something. And I'd be like, oh, is that when you did this and this on this guy? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah that, is, that is. So that's what really happened. Well, yeah, no. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I, mean, don't, bro, don't, I kept telling him, bro, don't worry. It's in my best interest to make you look good. It's my best interest to make you look. Now, when he finally got the manuscript and read the manuscript, he was livid. Yeah, but at that point, you're out of jail. Who gives a shit? <laughs> no, no, I was still in jail. Oh, really? So yeah. you had to deal with him after he read it. Huh? You had to deal with him for a while after he's read this. 1,800 guys in that prison. 
he lives in a different unit and I don't care if I have to deal with him or not. Listen, I, I used to eat deal with a serial killer. Okay. I mean, I used to eat lunch with a serial killer. Okay. I, I could care less. I, I could have, I could have lunch with Adolf Hitler, Stalin and Idi Amin. And I just be like, so wait, wait so you do, you have kids. I was, so you, you, you're, you got your date in this chick, Eva Braun, right? What's up with that, man? I, mean, I got I, punched up last King of Scotland a little bit better. <laughs> What's up with that? Like, I mean, I, I would have no problem with that. You, you're not chopping my head off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like, I so if I had to deal with him, I mean, what? What? I don't care. He's not. He's not violent. He's not going to hurt me. He's not going to. Yeah, that's true. You know, we're all white collar in a low. We're in a low security prison and a bunch of well, not a bunch of white collar guys, but there are a bunch of white guys. But these are nonviolent inmates, and who cares? By this point, everybody knows he's a pathological liar. Nobody believes mm-hmm. anything he says. So, oh, so you've got yeah, yeah, you've got friends. He's got no friends because he's an asshole. Yeah. Exactly. So, and he read that book. He just went nuts. I mean, just this is well, what about you? Didn't even put my you didn't mention the, the thing with my ex. Well, I actually did mention the ex wife. I mentioned that he wanted me to write this. That's and great. So, so he's like, "What the fuck's going on?" You know, I'm like, well, that, "But that's what happened." Remember, we had the discussion about you being completely honest. Mm. Well, and that I was going to look into these things and do the. You know, he's like, "I'm like, I did." <laughs> This is what happened. This is what came out. It turns out um, you're yeah. fucked up, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got this. Is I just put in what I found, like everything. This isn't true. That's not true. And I'd be like, but f- tell me something that's not true. Let's point it out. Find it. Find it. Tell, tell me. Show me. Fuck you. <laughs> Walk away. And they just, yeah, that's fucking great, dude. I I, I love it. It's like, there's, uh, so, Wait, there was a point. So there's a point in. Um, so like I said in the beginning of the interview, you basically just stole from banks, and I, I really don't have a moral issue with. That. But like, there's a point in the uh, in the book that about Frank where you you talk about a guy could have gotten you time off because he was basically. Is it this? Is it this guy? Is it the same guy from the Ponzi no, scheme book? No, because no, you talk about a guy who was basically feeding you information about what he had done that was a little standoffish from other inmates. Yeah, no, that's a different guy. Completely. Oh, really? Was that a guy you didn't even write a book about? No, I didn't write a book about it. I mean, look, the problem is, is he's complete. Like, it's not a unique enough story. And he was, there's, I mean, he's just, just a thief. That guy was just a vicious, vicious I can't imagine. I don't know where that book would go. Just basically blatantly lying to people and stealing their money. And you're, uh, uh, you know, you're stealing from from churches and he's stealing from people's life savings. And yeah, I, I couldn't. There's there's no way to write that story that anybody would want to read it. I mean, he's not a sympathetic victim. He's not. It's not a unique situation. Mm. It's, it's not unique enough. It, it's just it's just a vicious vicious crime. And there was no. Yeah, if you could somehow, if I could somehow make him a sympathetic person, I couldn't. There's just no way to do it. Hmm. It would have been an interesting story, but no, no. I told him, actually, you should, he should write his own story. Like, you should write your story. You should, <laughs> you should do it. Like, I'm not going to, I can't, I can, I'll, I was like, I'll help you, but I'm not, it's not, I don't see that book selling. I see. Um, well, I don't want to take up uh, too much more of your time because we're about an hour and I know you've got, a, you got to do a talk later today. Um, but I wanted to ask you, cause all right, so this is what you did for a long time. And it is a, it's a theme throughout your books where you're just like, and you even just said it 10 minutes ago where you're like, well, if this doesn't go right. I'm going to go commit a fraud. Like, oh, yeah. so, and I've, I've known guys who've gotten out of things 
And there is this weird, even no matter what field they're in, no matter how successful they get, they kind of still think of themselves in that way. Like I know a guy who owns real estate across the country uh, is, you know, is well off, has kids and is just like, I still wish I still kind of feel like a bitch that I'm not selling Coke. You know what I mean? Like you got like that, like you, do you ever have those thoughts or like, is there anything where you like miss that? Or do you think of you like more like how do you think of yourself as an author now? Or do you think of you still, still think of yourself as a con man? I mean, I, you know, like I, every day I think about it every day. I think about, you know, fraud, different scams and things like that. So I'm, I'm engrossed in that kind of a, uh, that that kind of criminal thinking pattern mm. that I, I try and st- I constantly have to stop myself, mm. you know. So it's 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 just like it. it look, th- if things went bad for me, I I I probably not probably I'd go back to fraud if things went bad for me. But right now things are going good. I can pay my bills. I'm happy. I have extra money left over at the end of the month. I've got a girlfriend. I've got friends i've got i've got a good life here like it's not worth it like like it's it's ever you ever let's say you're at a club and there's tons of women that are there and it's Mm -hmm. almost you almost feel like it's like i almost wish i was pissed off at my girl right now Mm -hmm. so i could have i could justify doing something no i understand yeah completely right but but i can't justify it like I think about all the, and do I still think of myself as kind of a, a, a kind of a, a shifty guy? I still think of myself like that, even though everybody around me is like, you're not like that. You're not like, they're like the guys, people talk to me. They're like, I can't see you having ever been like that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Are you serious? They're like, they just can't. But isn't the whole thing. I mean, like you've said, you said it in your own books. The whole thing is you have to be, cause we've just talked for an hour, Right. And I wouldn't be like, if we had just talked and I didn't know all this about you and we were just having a conversation, shooting the shit in a bar, I wouldn't think that either. But then you okay, yeah, you have to be that guy in order to do what I did. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You've got to be an antisocial. You have to be a, a, a psychopath to, to do the kinds of things that I did and walk around and, you know, commit that kind of fraud and be okay with it. Sleep like a baby at night. I slept great at night. And I was never worried. It's never that concerned. I was scared walking into banks at certain point. It sometimes, like the first time I walked into a bank and opened a bank account using a fake driver's license, fake ID, fake everything's fake. Mm-hmm. Like I'm terrified. But you start doing it enough that you're. But listen, by the end, if anything, the banker said anything, I'm ready to argue. I'm not going anywhere. I want to yeah, there's a great one where you say your girlfriend. Your girlfriend's calling you, yeah. you know, like get out. You're like, fuck that. This is my money. Yeah, I'm, oh, yeah. my money. Yeah, yeah. I'm using fuck fake IDs, fake like everything. It's it's real, but it's not me. I'm, mm. I'm ready to argue. Scott Cugno lives here in Tampa. So I would love to talk to him. I actually knew a guy that knows him, and was telling me I should try and find him on Facebook. Um, and I was like, <laughs> I was, keep in mind, I cash like I probably cash forty or fifty thousand dollars, and no. No, I cashed like $100,000 in his name. So, you know, I'm sure it caused him some problems. But I, I like Scott. Um, this was actually a, the only person's like... I, I like that. I like that I don't know. I stole this information, but it was available. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, he was... Uh, um, yeah, Scott Cugno, good times. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, argue, I was arguing with the bank manager. Like, I'm, I'm not leaving. 
I'm not leaving. Oh, I, I've had, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I was always ready to argue with somebody. That's, I mean, look, that's great. Towards the end, <laughs> towards the end you know, because now I know, I know everything that you know. There's mm-hmm. no way you're going to, you might think something's wrong. Like I had a bank manager, the bank manager th- knew something was wrong. No, not leaving. <laughs> that's great. Give me my money. I want the money. I want to call somebody, do something, do what you got to do. I need the money. Mm. Insane. I, I, I cashed, listen, I, I, I broke up a check one time. This is funny. Went into SunTrust Bank. I don't have a bank account there. I go to in there to break up a check, like a $100,000 check into different types of check, like smaller increment checks. And I give the woman, I say, look, I got a $100,000 cashier's check. Give it to her, written on your bank. Give her a bunch of little tiny like amounts. Like this guy gets 9,000. This guy gets 4,000. This guy gets 7,000. I give it to her and she's like, oh, it's our policy that we don't break up cashier's checks. And I went, why? It's, it's cash. And she's like, I know, but you don't have a bank account here. So we just typically don't do that. Why don't you just deposit in your bank? And I went, well, first of all, because it's cash and I don't have time to do that and, you know, wait. And then that's a whole process. So let's just go ahead and break it up into. And so she goes, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't do that. It's our policy. I went, really? And she goes, yeah. I said, okay. I said, but you have the money, right? She goes, well, I mean, the cashier's check's good. I said, okay, well, I'll take it in cash. Just cash it. And she goes, well, it's a hundred thousand dollars. And I went, yeah, taking cash. I have my ID, my, my, this, I start giving her all this stuff. She goes, okay, well, we don't have that much cash on hand. You'd have to go to a cash branch. I said, that's fine. She said, that'll take two or three days. I said, that's fine. Call them up and tell them that I'll be there in three days. What's the address? And she goes, oh, you're serious. And I went, she goes, you understand? Well, they'll, they'll fill out a, a CTR cash transaction report. And I went, I have no problem with that. And she goes, well, I can call. I said, good, call. Call them and tell them that I want it all in nickels, dimes, and quarters too. And she goes, I know you're joking. I said, I'm not joking. I said, and when they ask you why, I want you to tell them because you were unwilling to go ahead and overlook the policy to cut the, reissue these checks. I said, because I'll sit there all day to get my quarters, dimes, and nickels. I said, just because you're unwilling to do this. I said, let's go. I'm not joking. So this, this money's good. And she went, do you have the names and uh, amounts that you want? <laughs> here they are right here. That's fantastic. Dude. 10 minutes later, I walk out. That's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, I never tell that story. About that. That's a good one. That's a great fucking story, dude. Like, that's one of those mini stories that I didn't put in the book. Cause it was like, ah, you're just showing off. You're just being an asshole. No, but it kind of just shows like, the ease of which you can do these sort of things if you're confident because that woman is now thinking to herself, well, if he's, she, she didn't really think you were full of shit. And, but then even if she kind of did, she goes, well, he's probably not full of shit because most people that come in here aren't full of shit. And if he does this, somebody's going to yell at me and inconvenience me a little. And she just gave you a thousand dollars to avoid this much inconvenience on her end. And that's kind of, that's, fucking great that that's all it takes a hundred thousand dollars that wasn't mine yeah yeah no that's what i mean that's all it fucking takes is just to be like just so you know somebody's gonna go hey that guy was a dick to me and it was your fault and that's all it fucking took to get a hundred grand oh all right one last thing before we go and then uh and it's only because you just mentioned this you said your brain is always thinking of schemes. Now, I'm not going to recommend anybody do any of these things, but since you can't do them, would you share any ideas? 
What I mean, what, what you mean like a like a what like a scam? Yeah, like a like a few minutes ago, you go, well, you know, I have to stop myself because my brain is always constantly thinking of scams. And then you also said you can't do them. And I'm not I'm not saying anybody that's listening to this should do them. But what if they were going to? What would be some of the ideas you have that you can't implement? Listen, this is what's so funny. It's like everybody's always like, can you, you can't still do this stuff. Are you kidding me? It's easier now than ever. Do you know, you know, um, those, there's those companies that will buy your house at market value, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, you see them on the, uh, the commercials. And I always thought, my God, like now, like you, now you can go open up a bank account online. So, you know, how hard is it to steal an identity, open a bank account online, go rent a house, a half a million dollar house or a $300,000 house, go to public records. Like you can do all of it online. Like I don't have to go to the house. I can do the virtual tour. I can call the realtor and say, yeah, I saw the virtual tour. I love the house. Great. Here's my name. They pull your, your thing. They come back. You verify your employment. You send them some money for the down payment. Now I own the house. Please mail me the keys. You mail it to a drop box somewhere. You get, you know, an some abandoned house, you get the keys. Now I get an appraisal done or, or I have the, I have access to the house. And then you call, you call one of these companies and say, Hey, I own this house. You go downtown and you satisfy the loan on the house mm-hmm. or you transfer the title into the, the home, the person's name you stole, or you make a fake identity. You can get them online. I mean, how, how hard is it to get that and then call these people and schedule a closing and have a closing? Most of the closings are done online. So I can have a closing, then they wire the money to my account. They wire the money to the bank account you just opened online. Like there's these ways to put this huh. stuff together where you don't have to go anywhere. Now it's so like people don't understand. They're like, well, the whole system there breaks down where it's like, yeah, but you have to own the house free and clear. Right. But I know how to satisfy the loan on a house. Mm. Hey, if your bank, there's a Bank of America mortgage on a house for 300000 I can go downtown or even not even downtown. You can file it online. I can satisfy that loan. So now, what do, you, I what do you mean? So if you own a house, uh, you, you buy a house and Bank of America lends you 300000 to buy the house, right? Okay. You put it on a little bit of money. So two years from now, let's say for some reason you pay off the house mm-hmm. or 30 years or 20 years. Well, how does public records know? Public records has your deed and then they have a mortgage underneath it. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you pay off your mortgage, all the only way public records knows that you paid it off is that Bank of America gets all their money and they do a one-page document that says, hey, guess what? This mortgage was paid off on this date and somebody signs it and somebody notarizes it at the bank and they mail it to public records. Well, nobody at public records calls to say, did you mail this document? So uh-huh. if I manufacture that document, which I've manufactured tons of them, mm-hmm. it's such a joke to do. It's so easy to do. I used to sign them with cartoon characters. I used to sign them with the C. Montgomery Burns, which is the name <laughs> of the guy from the Simpsons that owns yeah, the power. Yeah. Right. Whenever they do shows, they always do, you know, the Simpsons. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. So judge didn't, the judge didn't think that was funny at all, by the way. Really? No sense of humor about it. He didn't give you the C. Montgomery Award for the for achievement in the field of excellence. (laughs) He didn't look at me and go, "I like your style." Oh man, I would have knocked twenty five. That's why I can't be a judge. I would have knocked twenty years off the sentence right there. Boom. He threw five extra ones on there. Um. So yeah, so I I did that, and then that's how I end up owning these uh, some of these houses. I would own a house worth half a million, well, worth two or three hundred thousand dollars with no mortgage on it because I convinced public records to, to basically say the mortgage is satisfied. 
So it's like, if you rented a house and did that, I can easily sell that house online and they'll wire me the money. I end up with a bank account with all that money in it. Mm, and then you just transfer it to another account or whatever. Absolutely. Now that I've got it, you could dep- direct deposit it into, shoot, you could do anything. You could buy Bitcoin with it. You could put it on, on green dot cards or, or uh, prepaid visas or whatever you want to do. It's, it's so easy now to pull the money out of the cash. You could buy diamonds. <laughs> I mean, it's there's true. so you- many ways to, buy, to, to launder money. You know, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, that is a great place to end on because anybody listening uh, has already opened 15 tabs on Google. <laughs> they might look and look, listen, they're going to get caught a few times first. I've been caught, a, got caught a whole bunch of times. That's something you don't want to get caught at. Wait, did you get, you got caught before you did the long bid? Yeah, I was already on federal probation. I got caught before. Listen, I've been caught by the banks. Oh, I got caught multiple times. I always talk my way out of it. But mm-hmm. I got caught one time, you know, the federal government, I got three years probation. I was on probation when I stole the 15 million. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's crazy. All right. Well, this has been, a, I mean, would you be willing to do this again at some point if you have free time? Next time a book comes out? Yeah, sure. Awesome. You got uh, to put my, gotta put my, my book in the, in the description. Yep, I'll put everything in the description. Links to all the books on Amazon, to the website, InsideTrueCrime.com. And the uh, YouTube page is Matthew Cox. Yeah, Matthew Cox and Inside True Crime. And Inside True Crime. Okay, so yeah, that'll all be there in the description. I'll do a cold open for this. We'll get it all plugged out. And then, yeah, hopefully we can talk again. And I probably will text you for uh, Frank Amadeo's phone number. <laughs> Dude, well, I don't think I don't have his phone number. I can get you his contact info. All right, great. Thanks, awesome. man. All right. Thank you so much. All right, see ya. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Little girl, I tell you we must die.